open up the app and the music appears But you don't see the hard work, blood, sweat, tears Three minute videos, days spent filming those Airports, sound check, live shows, studios, managers, promoters Labels, graphic design, there's a lifetime behind every rhyme Victory, failure, profit and the cost If we don't pass it on, then the history is lost Want an album review? Then you're paying for ads You want a half-page story? Cost you double for that And the radio's the same, gotta show them the money Cause they shelter and their listeners like bad boy Bubby Ignorance is bliss, but it isn't if you're missing the foundation That's why we had this conversation You wanna know the real deal? Here it is You're tuned in to Beers, Beats and the Beers Alright, check it out. We are back in effect. This is the Beers, Beats and the Beers podcast broadcasting live from the Shire Studios for 2020. My man Insidious on the boards holding us down as he always does. And man, fucking what a response we had to our um, our first week back. I mean, obviously we're about to head into our second week with this episode, man. And I can't wait to get this dude on the mic, man. Uh, we're heading over to WA for the first time in fucking, what, 45 episodes, man. It's taken us a while to get there, but fuck, man, we're going there in fucking style but before we do we have to recap last week we had my man Linz in the spot from the Iron Lack Rider team 750 all that shit and uh and what an episode, man. What a fucking reaction we had to that episode, man. Thank thank you to everyone that shared us, um, shared it around. Like, fuck, when we cop crazy feedback, man. Like, yeah, the shit was fucking out there and it was doing it. Um, we got included in Spotify's top music podcasts again, which was dope. We hit the charts on Apple Podcasts again and all that kind of shit, man. It was great to be back in effect. And, um, yeah, we couldn't have kicked it off in any other way other than the way we in which we did last week with big fucking L-Rock, man, Lee. Harden, the uh, the man, Linz from the Ironlack Rider team, and we went into all that shit, man. Um, he did Trems for the Term of His Natural Life album cover. He's um, painted globally. He had story after story about fucking all the writers you know, man, like Scene, Is The Wiz, uh, Cope 2, fucking... You know, talking about Cantu from Germany, painting with two hands. Uh, man, all kinds of shit. I can't even fucking remember what we talked about. We were blind by the end of that episode. I mean, Big Linz had fucking polished off half a case before we even kicked off, man. It was fucking, it was outrageous, you know. It was just fucking, but man, it isn't water beers in the beats. It's uh, it's beers, beats in the beers. That's what the fuck it is. So, you know, man, we had a good time and big shouts to Rock. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and check that, man, because he's a fucking character. He's, uh, yeah, he's a fucking, he's one of a kind man you know even his old man go follow his old man on instagram rog the trucky rog underscore the underscore trucky like it's a fucking great account to follow he talks his talk and talks all that noise and all that kind of shit man like you know last of a dying breed man from you know a time when men were fucking men and could be men you know like you go out and you know he gets out there and talks that shit he was a long haul trucky man Linz goes into it all dude like that episode fuck we sat there for three hours talking all that shit 750 um the impact of ken oath all the tram stories of designing the um, album cover and uh, Simplex's album cover too, or Simplex's last seven-inch album cover and shit. Um, fuck, what else do we have to talk about, man? So once again, big shouts to Linz. Um, rate, like, subscribe. We are on Instagram, Facebook, fucking you can hit us on our Gmail, beersbeatsthebeers at gmail.com if you want to advertise, if you want to do anything. Big shouts to Ryan, Craig, Jay Waldy. Actually, big shouts to everyone fucking... All our Patreon supporters, man, who've uh, hung in there while we were away for like fucking two, three months there, you know. Um, on Instagram during the week, we did that little thing.
thing like you know all the motherfuckers you wanted to hear man i got to a point where i was just like fuck i'm not even posting any more of these fucking things because man it was just fucking we were flooded so yeah once again man you can find us at Beers beats the biz on social media, fucking Gmail, everywhere. Man, I'm feeling a bit rusty right now, so we better get this motherfucker on the mic, man. We uh, we have uh, an amazing fucking MC and producer joining us for this um, uh, for our second episode for 2020, man. Live from fucking Perth, member uh, member of Clandestine, member of Syllabolics. I work closely with Hunter. Work closely with Checkmate, Grand Lodge Three. Um, man, this dude is prolific as a motherfucker. He's put out some amazing music over the course of time. I think his production has just has been ahead of its time, man. Like his production is something else. I've spent the past sort of week going through his back catalogue, and man, some fucking amazing shit. Like atmosphere symphonic fucking production rapping is just rapping is second to none man without further ado it is with great honor that we fucking bring to the mic mortar from fucking clandestine from syllabolics from perth dude how are you bro Oh, I'm very good, thank you. You're far too kind with your words there. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. well, they're about I all I have, it. mate, <laughs> at this fucking point in time. Men, like, fucking, as we always do with this podcast, we generally sort of just fucking go back into your history and, you know, like, just, you know, where do, where do things kind of kick off for you, bro? It's the general question of how we kick this fucking kick things off, man. Like, where does hip-hop sort of start for you, bro? For me, yeah. oh, it started back in probably about 90 not 90, I mean 85. No shit. Um, yeah, because uh, I, I grew up in Alice Springs from when I was like seven years old till I was 21. Yeah. So 85, I had a friend whose parents owned a video store, like the first video store in the in the town. Wow. I didn't own it. Though. She worked She worked there. Um, and she, so he'd get all these the cool videos brought home and that um i don't think we even had a video machine at that time yeah and i used to go to his place and watch all this shit and one day they had beat street and fucking it was on like yeah everybody loved that there was like beat street breakdance breakdance 2 electric boogaloo um crush groove and those sort of yeah they sort of came out at the one one period yeah yeah us seemed like that one period and it was just like I got the Beach Street tape and I was just thrashing that. And, you know, we were all trying to do breakdancing and all that, like 10-year-old kids trying to, you know, do that shit. Yeah, dude. Um, but from then, it sort of – because it was Alice Springs, it kind of fell off a bit. There's not a lot of access to it. Yeah. And so I kind of, you know, probably thrashed that for a while and then was sort of like grew a bit out of music. And it wasn't until like – high school that uh dude started to play like you know ice t nwa uh all that sort of stuff easy e all the real gangster stuff yep uh, sort of coming out at that time yep and i sort of heard a little bit i was like oh yeah and then it was really i went out to a house party with some friends um and we went out because okay, anywhere in Alice Springs, you're not far from the bush. Yeah. So we could jump car, went out into the bush, and we got stoned because we didn't want to do it in front of the other people at the party because we didn't want to share. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. 
And one of the dudes had put on the Beastie Boys in the car. Ooh, license and I, I got stoned and I just sat there and was like, oh, my God, this is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was license Yeah. And I was just like, it sort of just like everything came back to me, all the Beach Street fucking shit, all that stuff. I was like, oh, man, that's it. I'm on it. And then from then on, everything was just hip-hop, everything. Yeah. I would just crank it, try to get my hands on anything I could, which was hard in Alice Springs because there was like not there was like one record store and they didn't really stock a lot of it. They had like a handful of things and it'd only be like the real popular shit. Yeah. You know, like vanilla ice, MC Hammer, you know, a few things came through, like the earliest two pack and yep. that sort of stuff. Yep. <clears throat> um, and so it was really kind of hard to get anything besides like NWA, all that stuff that was like worldwide That's right. at the time. Yeah, real the, the real sort of accessible stuff that was out there. Yeah, like you can only get that. And then, um, yeah, so that's sort of like where where my passion for hip-hop sort of started was that. Fucking word, dude. That, still in high school and that, and which was like late 80s, early 90s yep. sort of thing. How long were you in Alice Springs for? And then, so, I, uh, from eighty-two to like mm, ninety-five, I think. Shit! So yeah, you spent a good then chunk I'm, of good chunk of life there. <clears throat> yeah, and then I moved to Perth on a whim because uh, my fam—I was originally born in Kalgoorlie here in the west, okay. and a lot of family are from from the west. And my sister had finished university in Darwin, she was moving to Perth with her, with her boyfriend at the time. Mm. And she was like, what are you doing in Alice Springs? There's nothing there for you. Why don't you come to Perth? And I was like, okay, why not? Just, yeah. okay, yeah, no real motivation or reason before, for it. And then sort of moved here and just sort of started working um, in hotels and that. Yeah. And um, didn't really, didn't know anyone in Perth, and so it was like a really weird situation to be in of like trying to make friends or find people that were into hip-hop because mm. there wasn't any internet really at that time. Well, there, I guess there was, but I wasn't on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, so I just started. I started – I got like a – I didn't know anything about Australian hip-hop either. I'd never heard of it. Um it was never in any of the record stores in Perth that I went to to look for stuff. No, well, I suppose and things were things were in their absolute infancy in the fucking early 90s, really, yeah. but, you know, at that point, eh? Like, you know, you'd have Sound Unlimited Posse, Def Wish Cast, but the accessibility to that kind of thing in that period would have yeah. been fucking, yeah, it would have been hard. <clears throat> so I saw that Sound Unlimited and that on, on, like, Rage and stuff. Yeah, me too. But I never really – never really – Gravitated towards it. Yeah. Um, yep. And yeah, but for, and for me then, like I, I wanted to, I wanted to rap and all that stuff, but I didn't know anyone doing it, so I just was trying to fumble along a bit. Uh, I worked with a chef uh, who played guitar and shit, and he was trying to record himself do stuff, and he had a four track recorder, so I sort of go over his place and muck around a bit, see what we could do, and then. He sold me his four-track recorder, and I started to try and make. 
I try and make beats on it, which was like weird because mm. it was all like I'd play. I had a turntable and I'd just play like breakbeat, like yep. the loop off it. Yep, yep. I had a bass and I'd bass over it and then I'd just try and drop some samples in off the record, which was real amateur because I can't DJ at all. And I, <laughs> you know, a little bit about like time, the timing of it, you know, to drop a horn yeah. at the beginning of each bar here and there. And so it was all done on four track and I was like bouncing them down to one track and then rapping over them terribly. I <laughs> would sound horrendous now. I'd be embarrassed <laughs> if it ever discovered. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> And then I did that for probably a couple of years yeah. and didn't really meet anyone. Then, I, at the time I was working at a hotel, I was doing night shift in the office there as a, a night auditor, which yep. is like you balance the books at the end of the day and then sat around for a couple of hours watching videos and then do the changeover in the morning. Mm. Um, and on the weekends, a dude used to come in and do the, the maintenance work and his name was uh, Ralph Rutens, and uh, he was a sort of probably at that time a middle-aged Burmese dude. Yeah, right. And we used to chat and all that for ages and ages. You know, every every weekend he'd come in in the morning, like early, we'd stand there and chat for about half an hour about stuff. Got to know him pretty good, and then um, then on a whim, I decided to go and move live in, live in London with my sister who had been in America and was moving to London. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool, yeah, let's do that. We'll, we can share a place there. Went there, worked in a bar for about uh, six months. Yeah. And and I caught uh, meningococcal septicemia, Jesus. which is viral, men viral meningitis. Christ, fucking hell. And, uh, yeah, so I almost died and – was in a coma for eight days, Fuck an induced off. coma for eight days, and was in the uh, like IC ward for another two weeks or something. And my dad flew over from uh, from Perth to like see if I <laughs> see if he's going to have a son when he got there. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I was really really lucky uh, the timing that it happened and how it all happened, and that. I was caught right at the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, which is just luck. It's a long story in itself. Yeah. But um, I ended up in hospital, and so I was like, my dad's like, oh, well, you've got to come home. You can't stay here. And I was like, I, I didn't really know what was going on because I was very delirious and all this sort of stuff and didn't understand the gravity of it. And so I said, yeah, okay, whatever. I, I, in my head, I'd wanted to stay in London. Just yeah. to, I liked it. <laughs> Then I sort of said, okay, well, I'll come home because I can't work. I wouldn't be able to work for a while because I was just, you know, pretty pretty smashed out. Like, even just walking down the hallway, I'd get, like, sort of just feel drained and that. Fuck. So, yeah, so I came back to Perth and that was in 1999. Probably it was at Easter because it was – I remember we just celebrated Easter in London in a shitty little fucking uh, London bed sit, a one-bedroom <laughs> with, like – me and my sister living in the same bedroom yeah. with a kitchen corner and that and like the size of like the my own bedroom I'm sitting in now at home sort yeah. of and um yeah so it was just after Easter and that I came home and I sort of didn't work for a while and then I went back to the same job 
because they they said they'd take me back and they were happy to do that and help me out, sort of just working like part-time. Went back to working. This dude come in, start talking to me again, the Burmese guy, and he goes, oh, you're into hip-hop, aren't you? And I go, yeah. And he goes, oh, my son's into hip-hop. Mm. He started making some stuff and all that. And he goes, you should come and meet him or give him a call of that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. So he gave me his number and a couple of weeks went by and I was like, oh, I should probably call this dude. Rang him up and it was disaster from downside. Oh, no shit. Fuck. And didn't didn't know who it was at the time. It, it, there was really no downside at the time Yeah. outside of them starting to work on stuff. Um, like nobody knew their name anywhere in Perth. Yeah. It was the early stages of them where Daz was just started making beats for them. And it was, uh, yeah, Scotty and Shabazz on the mic. Oh. So I went around to his house because he's like, yeah, come, come and have a visit and that. And, yeah, that sort of came in, saw he was working on a computer and shit, was like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> Fucking all stuff. And just like he was like probably 18, I think, maybe even <laughs> younger. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's just, just like – kid basically and yeah. like he was just yeah really fucking incredibly talented at it already um really switched on studio wise early <clears throat> yeah just just everything sort of comes naturally to him it seems yeah, like yeah yeah like he just looks at a piece of equipment and by osmosis he sort of knows how it works mm. or knows what to do mm. and that sort of shit yeah um and yeah so that was like my introduction to like other dudes that loved hip hop. And so sort of became close friends with them. They sort of said, Oh, there's a thing going on weekly down at the Hyde park hotel, which was like just a hip hop night, play beats, jams and fucking, uh, that have an open mic sometimes. Yeah. So I started going to that and through that I'd met, um, yeah, met like graphic and Tomahawk, Maddie B Hunter and sort of, just was hanging out with them and this was not long after, probably after I'd done some, some production and that for uh, Graphic and Tomo. And then we ran at Scotty's one night, or it was the next morning because we all slept over because we got smashed and that. And he's like, <laughs> um, I'm putting this crew together called Syllabolics. Yeah. And I was like, hey, yeah, cool, cool. And it was never really like a – for me, it was never really like, okay, I'm making this crew. Do you want to be in it? It was just like, I'm making this crew and you're in it yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, you this, know? this is what's happening. Because I'm telling you, <laughs> yeah, like the general, general optimist, <laughs> you're in it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I'm in charge of this. Starting it. Let's let's get it cracking. It was like, cool. You know, cool dudes. You know, all become friends with and, uh, yeah, still some of my closest associates today yeah absolutely dude. through that so that's, that's that's a long story about my introduction to hip-hop and into the perth hip-hop scene yeah into the perth hip-hop scene. kind of just yeah it's no, just by chance that's fucking crazy I, I, I did want to ask though man like fucking going from alice springs to perth and you know we kind of fucking skirted over like you know and then to london and whatever how um how like sort of almost like culturally or society, um, you know, how different was Perth to Alice Springs? I imagine, like, you know, going from Alice Springs to a fucking a major capital like that must have been a bit, you know, sort of bit of a culture shock almost for you, wouldn't it? Um, 
Yeah, a little bit, but not as much as you'd think because no. it's you've still got the television and everything, so you're seeing what's going on in the world. Yeah, yeah. You sort of understand what things are like. It's just more the adjustment to like, oh, this is like way bigger than where I used to live, and there's like heaps of shit going on and heaps of stuff I don't know about. No, I don't know how to get anywhere. <laughs> you know all that yeah, stuff and yeah, any anywhere. So. For even even now, there's places in Perth that I'm like I, I know the names, but I've never been there. I don't know anyone around there. Yeah, I didn't grow up. I didn't go to school with anyone in Perth, so I don't have any connections that way. Yeah, true. So most all of my connections are through hip hop. Yes, through hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Not really any outside of hip hop, yeah. which is fine by me. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Because if people are generally not into hip-hop, I don't really want to know them. Yeah, that's it, dude. That's it. I mean, we generally gravitate to, you know, those kinds of people. We all gravitate towards fucking similar people, like regardless of where, you know, where we fucking find ourselves, man. That's what I've always found anyway. But, you know, I remember um, someone fucking, I can't remember who it was, but someone was telling me hip-hop kind of hit Perth early because there was always, um, was there like a big naval base or some shit in Perth and there'd always be American sailors or something coming to town. And I remember, I can't remember who the fuck it was, but they were telling me that, like, hip-hop hit Perth early and it may have hit there earlier than it hit, like, Sydney or, you know, wherever it kind of hit first in Australia. I suppose you were you would have been in Alice Springs during that period, but, yeah, you know, I always found that kind of the, crazy. The, the Fremantle Port, um, yeah, is a big, was a big hub at the time. Ah, uh, yep. Um, still do have them come through where, because it's the only big port in uh, on this side of the country where there is anything worth for them to stop in at um so heaps and heaps of like um yeah american naval ships are just docking here um and yeah the town will be flooded with with sailors yeah and uh strip clubs will be packed still to this day. brothels are fucking yeah, getting turned yeah. out <laughs> i remember when they used to dock in brisbane dude <laughs> man it was yeah, fucking it, yeah it should it be ape shit like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because it's like a some of these carrier groups there's you know Thousands and thousands and thousands of people on them, you know, like a small city. Yeah, fucking eight. And uh, yeah, so they just dump out into the into the populace and take over the city. You just spot them walking around the city. Oh, yeah, yeah, you man. know, yeah. Flies fresh gear too, you know. Yeah, definitely, dude. Definitely, they step off those boats and they're fucking fresh as shit, man. Like, yeah, I remember years ago they used to always dock in Brisbane, and you know we'd be out every fucking weekend, and every so often, man, you just see them, man. You'd be like, fuck, it must be a bloody, you know, a naval boat must have fucking docked somewhere, and yeah, man, these cunts would be everywhere. Eh? They'd be flooding the fucking strip club, spending money. They'd be lining up at Foot Locker on a Saturday morning for a Jordan drop. Like, they'd be just, man, the cunts would be fucking everywhere, eh? Yeah, and they got money to spend too because they're, they're locked away on a ship for fucking months and months. Exactly, so dude. Exactly. It all comes out. Mm, you mm. see, you see all the see all the girlies getting all, you know, doled up, ready to go out. Oh fucking! And you'd be like, oh yeah, okay. The fucking uh, navy must be in town. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it, dude. That's it. Those navy boys. <laughs> but dude, like, so what? what, what what's dinner and some drinks? That's it, bro. <laughs> what started first? So you were, you started rapping prior to the production. Kind of, yeah. Like, I mean, in, in high school, I wrote some raps. Mm. They were fucking terrible, and I didn't have any beats or anything like that. I was just writing them to, like, see how you do it, sort of, you know, yeah. trial and error and sort of the structure and s- structures and that. So I sort of I always gravitated towards the MCing first. The production sort of was, like, an, an out of necessity because I didn't have anything I didn't really think about it. I was just like, I want to record. So 
I have to be able to put a beat together or find something to use yeah and then record myself so that sort of that's how that started yeah yeah yeah, and yeah it wasn't really till I till I hooked up with Daz um that he was like oh he gave me the bootleg programs and that and I got a got a little PC and started working on beats on on the actual computer yeah and I think a lot of the stuff I'd done on the four track was actually like wasn't really helpful in a in a sort of mechanical way there's a totally different ways of making beats but just with the working out things of timing and just that sort of stuff yeah. it's really like helpful yeah 100 percent Mm. Even just like yeah, I, so, I suppose even just working out you know like the the general sort of musicality and as you said the mechanics of how things works bar structures and all that kind of thing. But what was what was informing you to as an MC? Like what were you listening to? What made you go fuck? I want to put pen to paper. Um, well, the sort of early NWA stuff. Yep. You know, it, as soon as I heard it, I was like, and Beastie Boys stuff, all that stuff. Even when I was listening to the Beat Street stuff when I was 10 years old, I was like, man, I want to be that dude, you know, spitting the lyrics and stuff. <coughs> Pardon me. And um, so I sort of had that seed in there. I guess it wasn't really till like I got the Wu-Tang 36 Chambers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which are actually, they had it in the shop there in Perth. I mean, in Perth, in um, Alice Springs. Yeah, And right. so I was like... Um, oh, f- fucking pick, pick it up. Didn't know anything about it. Mm. <coughs> Pardon me. And yeah. I um, and I heard it, and it just was like, oh shit, this is a whole nother fucking thing. Yeah, absolutely. It was just aggressive, and the beats were just dusty and dirty. Yeah, and it really just, uh, yeah, really. I guess it was sort of like, yeah, I was like, yeah, man, fucking, this is dope. Oh, that's what I want to do, and uh, yeah, it's kicked off from there. And it just fucking, and it just fucking, it kept going, mate. Kept going. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, but yeah, but it's like a lot of my old school stuff is is still very. It was still on a limited bandwidth of like what I could get there. Yeah. So <clears throat> people talk about a lot of old school stuff, and I'm like, I, I haven't actually really heard it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up in, with it because yeah. it wasn't as as um, available. You know, there was no uh, there's no internet to download shit from. You know, where you could just search and find a whole array of stuff, and it was like, yeah, just whatever came through Alice Springs is what you could get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was generally. The same thing, so everyone was listening to the same thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What by nature and things that made made an impact on the culture, sort of outside of hip hop as a whole, I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, fuck, dude, man. Like you sort of mentioned Tomahawk and Graphic earlier, um, or you know, meeting them through. You know, that connection in Perth, dude. Can you tell us more about sort of the early days of Clandestine? You were actually telling me off mic that Clandestine, well, Tomahawk and Graphic had already formed Clandestine prior to you sort of becoming a part of it all. Yeah, they were already a, uh, a, a group, um, the two of them, I guess, and they had written some stuff and recorded some stuff um, over some Daz beats, a couple of Daz beats, and some Optimus beats, and then they sort—we of, sort of, you know, had become friends a bit through going to the Hyde Park and that talking. 
And I think I'd, I'd made a couple of beats on the computer by that stage, just real early stuff. But I played one of them and they were just like, oh, fuck, this is it. This is mm. the shit. Mm. That's one of they came around and recorded. Um, they bought a mixer and a mic that was Hunter's. Um, I'd never recorded anyone on the, on that shit before, and we just recorded this track. And it went on like the they, – re, they recorded two tracks with us, and they went on like the early demo. Okay. Um, one was called The Cavalry. People still remember it to this day. It's pretty fucking dope and hype. Mm. And um, from then on, it was just like they just really started – yeah, working with me. Yeah. Because um, the, f- the first official release, I did most of the beats. There was a beat from, like, Optimus Army, the Daz beat, and another dude that they knew who didn't really follow through on hip-hop as much. He moved into other genres. Mm. But, um, yeah, so then I sort of became the dude. I did all the recordings and mixings and all that shit. And then it was just sort of like, oh, yeah, you know, after the first joint dropped, it was just like, just had sort of infiltrated into the group, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As yep. juiced. And then I, I, I'd always been an MC, so it was just natural to start rapping with them yeah. instead of just doing it by myself, which then came to Dynasty, where, yeah, where I sort of, that sort of people's, uh, sort of first introduction to me as an MC, really, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. So sort of fucking helming, <laughs> helming the mic and all that kind of shit. But <laughs> like your production on that first clandestine joint, like uh, the one in two thousand one, man. Like I really think it's kind of fucking. Uh, it's it's ahead. It's you know it was ahead of the curb in many regards, man, and definitely like a unique sound to what we were hearing out of Perth at that point in time. Like it was it was crazy. What like what, what were you producing on? Post you know after um, the four track, obviously. Yeah, I was using a, a program called Cakewalk, mm-hmm. which was just like a. Um, it eventually became like something called Sonar. And very much like Cubase, um, I think it was made by the same people, but mm. can't remember now. But um, just a simple, real simple program, um, like most of them are, yeah. like MIDI tracks, audio tracks. So I figured out how to like, yeah, um, you had to make, you had to make in a separate program. You had to make a little file. That you put the sound into, mm. which then you loaded it into the MIDI channel, and then you could um, play it like with the MIDI um, programming. Yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah, take every single sample you wanted to use, make it in the file. It's called like a sound font. Yep. Um, they're sort of old. People don't really use them anymore. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. So you had to actually like, I'd have to find the kicks, put them in that program. It snares, put them in there, and it was like for each individual sound you had to do that see a lot of it was like you couldn't really just go through and audition stuff as yeah. it's playing of like what that's going to sound like that's that's that snare or that kick or that so yeah a lot of it was kind of just on the fly like sort of that like you think oh that's going to sound good together that that kicks and snares and then whatever samples you were using you had to chop them up um 
yeah, and put them into that program. So that was like the early stuff, and it was, yeah, it was good. It sounds good. Yeah, you it's know, fucking you dope, dude. Because it's really like, yeah, what you do with it and how you how you work it, yeah. rather than than what you um than what you're yeah. working with, almost. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, not amount of equipment can make you a good producer, really. Mm, mm, mm. You know, it's it's easier nowadays to do stuff, but yep. it's still your stuff's got to sound good at the end of the day. So yeah, fucking a. What are you using nowadays to produce on? Um, I use uh, Cubase, um, and that's it, really. Yeah, yeah. You still producing much? Yeah. Not as much. I don't really have the time to sit down and make beats. I, mm. Every now and again, I'll go through a time of like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get back into it and I'll smash out about 10 beats and then I'll just not do anything for a couple of months or that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not even using them <laughs> sitting there. So, yeah. How did but, you – How did you? Know, you sorry? I continue. Oh, no, no. I was about to say, how did you find – sort of fitting into clandestine by the second album, like, you know, fitting into that sort of group dynamic that, that it already formed with, you know, Tomahawk and Graphic and then, you know, the broader Syllabolics crew that was forming at the time. Like, how did how did you f- sort of slide in there? Was it just that na- a natural progression through the, the through the production and then into the MC? Yeah, I think I think we I think we came together sort of because we had a very similar attitude towards how the music should sound yeah, and man. how yeah. it should be. That's like what I kind of sorry, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but that's what I that's what I kind of imagine too, man. Because it yeah. just it's it, like it, it's seamless, man. And when I say that you guys kind of sounded ahead of your time, it was like you sounded almost like like a Melbourne hip hop group in that era, you know, like and uh, Melbourne pre Melbourne sounding like that in a way, you know. All oh, right. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. But yeah, that's it. Just was natural. That's like we just that's yeah. Like there was no real talk about like this is what we want to do. It's that. It's like that was just the beats I was making, and the beats that we all I made what I wanted to. I made beats that I want to rap on. Yeah. Um. So it's like, and then Tomahawk and Graphic were like, that's what they wanted to rap on. And we had a very similar style. I mean, so it was just like, yeah, it was very natural. Yeah. And also, it wasn't, it didn't happen overnight. Like, because, you know, they had recorded their first album with me. So it had been a lot of time, you know, sort of doing stuff together in the studio, just hanging out. Um, Because we did things for like, uh, you know, um, Dundee L and all that sort of stuff okay. and a yep. whole bunch of other syllabolic stuff that never saw the light of day. Some of it didn't, some of it did. Yeah. Um, so we were, we were already like working on stuff together and being a bit looking, viewing each other as MCs in the same, same realm. Yeah. So it was sort of just natural to like sort of just jump on the mic um, in, in the group rather than just remain a producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny, things sort of happened with Daz because the first downside joint, Daz just produced that. Yeah. And then then he stepped up to be, you know, the best MC in the in the, in the downside. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> yeah, well, certainly almost like the front man for the group in a way. <laughs> no, nah, he's, he's my favorite. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> he's nice. He's real cool. 
Yeah, super chill dude. Any any you know any sort of fucking dealings like I you know like I've met him a handful of times around the country at different times and just a really dope dude, man. Him and Layla, you know, like really nice people. Very good. Yeah, they are. They're my best friends. Yeah. Yeah. His work, his work ethic, his ethic is shit though. Oh, is it really? He's got, he's got his hands in so many pies. That's what I fucking. That's what I thought too, man. Like he just seems to be. He seems to be just constantly in the lab, like you know, like just fucking constantly doing something. I guarantee every time I'm I'm with him working on something, he'll get like three or four phone calls from other people trying to organise shit that he's working on them with <laughs> and so it's like oh yeah oh this then oh and he never writes anything down so you're not sure if he's gonna follow through on it yeah 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 such such in demand though as well you know so yeah exactly dude exactly it's one, of those, it's one of those relationships where if i want to get stuff done i have to go to him and yeah. sit there in the room with him then he'll focus on it yeah if you're not there it's just you know, he'll be off doing something else. He'll just he'll be tinkering away on a base like for like half an hour, trying to get it to sound right, and then be like, "Oh, what are we doing?" And you're like, "We well, were fucking recording its track shit." <laughs> <laughs> is that is that the hold up on Grand Lodge Three or the fucking the second the second instalment of Grand Lodge Three? Uh, uh, the hold up on that is a bit, yeah, not not no, it's not holy Daz. It's a bit also. The distance. Yeah, true, true, um, true. And, and just, yeah, so trying to get things sorted that way. And there's a bit of problems with the beats because we'd recorded them over um, <clears throat> over just the bounce of the instrumental and the, the MPC is uh, the timing slippage and that. Ah, oh, true, fuck. It's uh, unlocked MIDI timing to the computers so it's kind of slides a bit when you do it outside of it and yeah so we're just trying to figure out work work around that with some stuff yeah, but i just spent a couple of days the other week with daz trying to sort shit out and but that should be very soon yeah sick fucking hanging out for that man because the first one was fucking amazing and it was a great sort of cross-country collaboration between you know used to and fucking checkers man like and it was just yeah it was just a seamless you know not not unlike you know sort of clandestine and that it just it was just a, it seemed like a seamless transition for the three of you to come together obviously there's been a lot of um you know like a lot of creativity between you guys you've collaborated a lot over the course of fucking time but yeah grand lodge three the first installment man was uh was fucking amazing and i mean i'm honored to be on the posse cut you know that was a monumental posse cut no doubt like you know no less but man yeah hanging out for the fucking second one it was actually something that you know me and trav here we fucking both wrote down man because we're like when's, when's this fucking one dropping man because i've been hearing about it for a minute <laughs> soon soon yeah can't wait to but i'm here but checkers was like the f uh the first dude i met in melbourne other than bias b who picked us up off the plane in it would be like 2001 uh bias flew me graphic and time over to do a show at revolver oh, word. <clears throat> and we sort of dropped in at the hotel then he's like oh you want to go have a walk down to obese records yep so it wasn't far from where we were staying we're like oh yeah cool and as we're walking down there this dude just pops out of nowhere goes hey fucking boss or some, <laughs> some shit and, he's like, oh, and then they're talking on that and then next minute they're like oh this is fucking fucking chris yeah uh 
he's a yeah checkmate. He fucking raps with his fucking crew, like uh, yeah, whatever hospice crew. Yeah, and um, yeah, he's like, oh, the dudes that are opening to opening for you are called Art of War, and they're like they all run together. And so we just talk, started talking to him. He came to like the sound check and that was just chatting and all that. And then yeah, they got up and wrapped at the show and that was like oh cool. And then the next day, me and Tomo went and hang, hung out with them and did some recording, which never saw the light of day. Mm. But it was the genesis of doing the hospice crew um, visiting, visiting hours? hours. Visiting hours, yep. Yeah. Yep. So we actually record another joint um, with them for that. But and yeah, so every 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 um every time I go back to Melbourne, I'd actually just stay with Checkers um, for like a week at mm. a time and stuff, sort of. Just flop down at his crib. Yep. And so we became really good friends, and and just the things that we liked, like the ideas and the of the ways of looking at the world, and sort of that sort of thing, just really gelled. And we just always call him and about something, and then we just spend an hour talking about whatever latest theory about some government shit or something, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Conspiracies, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it was just. Had you? Yeah, heard, that's how that. Had you heard them at that stage? Had Had you heard music by them when you first went over there? No, no. never heard of them. No. So I met I met him the day we arrived, I think. Um, and then. Oh yeah, because this is that. I mean, yeah. What What year are you talking? Two thousand one. That's pre Culture Kings two, I suppose. That's pre, you know, sort of when everything sort of started really yeah. kind of everything, you know, around the country started sort of coming together and shit. Yeah. So that was the first. That was the first. Yeah, first time I met them, and I I only really heard them on stage, and then from going and hanging out, and they played they played some stuff and mm. that and. Yeah. Recorded because just what you did back then. Yeah, hang out, record with everybody. Yeah, exactly. anyone who was interested. Yeah, and um, yeah, and it, no, I never knew it would at the time. You know that it would grow into be what it is between me and Checkers. Yeah, and then used then use all like you know mentioning you know speaking of art of war and Checkers and all that man. Then you you know on Mortarshell Symphony man in what was that 06 or whatever barely music the posse cut you know like we'll get to Mortarshell Symphony and all that kind of shit. But man, it's a fucking that's a crazy joint, dude. That that fucking joint is fucking nuts. You know like <laughs> fucking it's dope. Staying with Checkmate and going to. Go and hang out with the dudes from Art of War um, at one of their places, and I had the beat, and they were just like, "Yeah, we just smashed it," and then that was it. Yeah, it went on. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty hype. No, that's dope. And and just for people listening, there is a um, there is a slight time delay between um, Mortar and us here in Brisbane. Between Brisbane and I mean, fucking, there's a I think there's a two or three hour um, fucking time difference. But via the <laughs> Skype, via the Skype, there is a slight delay. So if you're hearing, you know, if it's sort of coming through a bit staggered or whatever, we apologise. But yeah, it is what it is, man. We had to get this man. You know, we had to get some fucking you know Perth representation, Syllabolics representation on this podcast as as soon as possible. I was 
spoken to Optimus a couple of times and as stated, I've also spoken to Matty B, but man, I was fucking super excited to get Mortar on here just being a clandestine fan and, you know, a fan of your solo shit. But dude, moving from um, the first clandestine record into Dynasty, how did that dynamic work now that you're sort of, you know, taking on full-time mic duties alongside Tomahawk and um, and Graphic Man? How did that kind of go? Because that, this is where, like, you know, Dynasty is really where, I don't know, to me, going back through your catalogue and shit, it's where the sound of clandestine is really starting to, you know, you, you start hearing what you guys are, you know, like it's it's fucking dope. I mean, Terracoded Warriors and My Enemy and I, obviously, you know, which was a big song, but fucking, you know, man, can you speak more as, you know, as you kind of go into that second record, the, you know, I suppose how how it was all working and how you were working with one another? Um, Yeah, I think it was, yeah, it just became a lot more natural because there's the three of us. I'd sort of, I'd work on the beats, you know, in my own time and then they'd come around and just hang up my joint. Um, and I had this, I was working out of a study that was, had a sliding door right out, out into the backyard, the veranda, the veranda area. So I'd just put on beats, we'd go like run through some and go like, oh, that one's fucking dope. Or if one had a, had something in it that you'd kind of think, oh, yeah, this would be a good idea. Oh, I had an idea about this. Is there, you know, find a beat that sort of matched that idea. And then we just play it on loop and just sit out in the back um, veranda and just write. And so I think like 90% of Dynasty was written and recorded sort of at the same time. So you write it, then go in and record it, and then that track was done. Yeah. So it was kind of natural because there was the three of us, so we'd like be able to sit there and go, okay, we're just going to do three verses on this one. And then another one, we're like, oh, I'll go back and forth and try and write in a sort of like a round robin type thing, you know, yeah. sort of. Th- and, yeah, so it was, re- it was really like kind of, um, yeah, really easy to do. And also like once you did it, it was kind of like, okay, you, you could put it away. You weren't like, oh, come back to it. Yeah, I'll write this later and yeah. all that sort of stuff. It was kind of like do it record it and we had this ethic of back then of like to record it all in one take to get it like how it how kind of sound more naturally as a live version i guess yep 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 yep. so every every take on dynasty is 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 recorded in one take and we didn't do backups because you can't do that live so i don't know we just had this weird idea of like trying to make it sound kind of not over, not overly produced vocally, mm. Mm. Um, but just have the beats be raw and it just like the MC was there spitting at you. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So There's no, I mean, backup, there's it, no it, backups on Dynasty. No sort of fucking nothing like that. Not unless someone else is coming over you as they start their verse. No shit. I didn't even <laughs> fucking notice. Unreal. Nah, because it's yeah, it's it's very compressed as well. The vocals, so they're all in your face. Yeah, real chunky. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, wouldn't have even and, picked it. Fuck, that's unreal. Yeah, and all all of them recorded in in the one shot. Yeah, so that's if you dope, dude. It up, you had to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So like, it, it the, like that record was created very much in the moment. Like you just go in there, bang, yeah. bang, bang that track out, fucking boom, next one. Yeah. That's and dope. if you didn't like something, you'd, you'd done. If you were like, oh, 
it was like too late. It's yeah. done. Recorded. Fucking. <laughs> it's <you> got, done. <laughs> oh. There was no going Which, back. At the same time, at the same time, sort of makes you very cognizant of what you're writing. Like every line, you're like, okay, well, I don't want any fillers in there. I don't yeah. want anything to like that I might come back to later and be like, uh, I could have written that better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sort of stuff. It was just like, okay. And and the three of us together, you know, we were, we had a very competitive uh, writing style as well of like, well, I'm going to fuck these other two guys up. Yeah. I want to fucking put that shit down yeah. so that when they hear my verse that they're going to turn around and go, oh, fuck. Yeah, fuck. He got the <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah. So it was that it was that driving like of like I was writing for like I was writing you know you're writing shit that you want to hear that you like will make you if you had another MC spitting it would be like oh fuck but also you wanted the other two dudes to go oh fuck when yeah. you were in the booth yeah of course recording it just like look at them and like fuck you <laughs> yeah how about that? And so it was like fun as well because it was kind of a competitive sport within the group and also within thinking like, well, fuck, we've got to fuck everybody up in the game, like sort of, you know. Yeah. We don't want to come across with no sort of fancy, funky, you know, whack shit, you know, that was weak. It was like we had to be lyrically dominant. Yeah, 100%. Dude. Within the and within sort of culture. Yeah, yeah, certainly, and I and I definitely think his work, particularly like sort of coming out of Perth, like fucking man, the shit. Yeah, like you know the shit you were doing, and like I kind of like with Clandestine, man, you seem to be almost like a, a package in a way, like you like the logo, uh, Tomahawk's artwork for each album, like that real anthemic sort of symphonic fucking production of yours, and then the fucking paranoid apocalyptic lyricism man like the shit was the shit was bananas dude like quite seriously bro is bananas yeah no it it sort of just came together naturally because tomo was just if he wasn't writing while we're sitting there he was drawing something and so it was just natural that his artwork reflected the group as well yeah i wanted to ask you about that dude is he like what what's that is he a writer like was he a graffiti artist or anything like that or is he just fucking like just love sketching comic comic shit or what what the fuck's that um i know he was sketching comics all fucking all the time like you couldn't stop him from doing it yeah um as far as his i know he used to go out and paint with dudes yeah but he'd paint like characters and stuff like from his artwork Mm. um so, but he hang, he hung with a bunch of writers and that like these like, you know, idol. Um, that sort of trips used to write and stuff. Yep. And I know they'd go out and stuff, but I wasn't really involved in it. Yeah. It was sort of that was his on the side. Mm, mm. Um, I don't know how much of the graffiti. There's none of his stuff really. You now, if he ever put stuff up, it was never on a graffiti tip. It was always on that sort of, you know, manga looking fucking artwork shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he, yeah, so the dude's fucking crazy sort of, with it, man. Like, and just the fact that you like that's kind of like a running theme through all the clandestine records, man. It's dope, dude. It's dope. Yeah, it's it's been a uh, yeah a heavy influence on it because it's it's it makes it the whole package, like you say. Yeah, that people look at the artwork and then go, oh fuck, that's fucking 
that's crazy. And then they're like, well, what's the music going to sound like? And they're like, oh, the music sounds exactly like the artwork looks. Bro, it does, man. It does. Like, it, it, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when I heard fucking Public Enemy, man. Like, when I saw Public Enemy, when I saw the album covers, when I saw the logo, when I saw the branding, all that kind of shit, and then I listened to the music, man, and the music sounded like what the fuck it looked like, you know, like what, the, what, what I was holding in my hand. It sounded like that, you know, and fucking clandestine much in much the same regard, like from the logo, from the branding, like, you know, to that running theme of the artwork, you know, or Tom, Tomo's artwork through the fucking, through the albums, man, like it, like the, the, the covers sound like the fucking music you're playing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. And, and um, Tomo was always influenced by that stuff as well. So he had some real absurd, weird, like, references to a lot of that sort of style of artwork and and manga and weird shit ancient japanese shit and yeah, stuff yeah so it all came through you know, comics and different characters and that so it all sort of bleed, bleed bleeds into the uh, into the actual wrapping and becomes a lot more yeah like integrated you can look at it and go oh yeah that's exactly what it looks like yes yeah, what it looks like it's what it sounds like you know you don't you don't it's not some weird funky cover and then it's like, oh, this is not funky at all. This is like fucking doomsday shit. Yeah, dude. Yeah, exactly. Like hard as fuck shit. Like hard as fuck, man. Like, you know, like, dude, I wanted to ask you about My Enemy and I. And for those listening, if you haven't heard the track, I mean, it's on YouTube, either uh, either that or Hunt Down um, Dynasty. I think it's on it's on Apple Music. It's probably on Spotify and all streaming services, I would imagine. Um, man, like the, the three letters from, you know, sort of three different perspectives on war. Who's concept? was that did you use like you know as you were stating earlier you you know it's all very much written in the moment did you all sit down and just pen a different you know a different perspective of war or how did that kind of come about that was one of the tracks that was written individually mm. by each member um but the con the concept i actually found the the samples from a movie called beach red which is like from the 50s or 60s so and it's haunting about, dude such a haunting sample man it's amazing it's amazing it's the opening of the sort of the movie yeah and i was like oh fuck this is this is the shit yeah so i think I, I think it came off um vcr there was no dvd or anything of it so it actually came off a of vcr like recorded it in oh sick and made the beat and then was like oh man this is a fucking thematic like shit yeah and then i was talking to Tomo on the phone about it and I was like it'd be really cool if we wrote like it was like a letter from from the from sort of like a soldier and that mm. Mm. and he was like oh yeah I know you could you could write that you'd be really good at writing that and then he's like oh man it'd be cool if we did if it was like a letter back and forth and we're like oh shit yeah then so he's like oh well I'll do it from like a kid writing you know Back yep. to his brother, older yep. older brother. Yep, yep. And then, and then, like, oh well, I'll write the letter coming back. Mm. And then we sort of had the idea that it would end, you know, with that you're hearing these letters, and then at the end, um, the last letter was the one saying that he fucking passed away and shit. Yeah, he'd been killed. Yeah, he'd been killed. Yeah. Yeah. And that was yeah, sort of just like a natural thing as well of just. I, I had the idea, the initial idea, and then sort of Tomo flipped it, mm. and then sort of made it a bit, made it what what it is. No, it's dope, dude. And yeah, and I think, yeah, 
No, yeah, it was, it was it's a fucking dope song. Also, Terracotta Warriors was another one that I wanted to ask you about. Like, that's a fucking like. I mean, the production throughout the album is is fucking sensational to my ears, man. But like, there's just there's some. I mean, there's obviously there's always standouts on albums. There's always personal favorites and all that kind of thing. But Terracotta Warriors is dope, dude. Like that. Can you just speak on that? Like the fucking the the sample used and you know the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics are just fucking. It's it's an ill track. It's dope. Um, I think the, the main sample comes from um, Lord of the Rings. Oh, for real? Um, <laughs> which has got – it's got the, um, the the fucking – what's his name? Gandalf talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the drums are deep. And it's actually that part of the soundtrack um, when you're watching the movie that it comes on after that. Ah. Those sort of horns and things, I think they're from the same part. And that – the thump, the thumping, like dum dum, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh yeah. I was like, damn, that's fucking dope. And I chopped it up a bit and that, and yeah, made the fucking slam beat out of it. And there's the horns, the horns are from two thousand and one, um, Space Odyssey. Wow, like they're really, really, but I only used the one note of it, yeah. but it just fitted really well. Just like this undertone of like menace. And, um, yeah, and then we recorded it. Uh, there was actually originally five people on it and it got chopped down to four Yeah. because uh, one of the other dudes um, I had beef with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that cunt, that cunt was gone. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it was kind of a, I don't know, a bit shitty at the time. Mm. I don't know. I don't really know why or what happened really. I was probably drunk a lot. Yeah. Had a fight with a dude. Yeah. Um, and sort of, yeah, and then Tomo was still mates with him and stuff, and he was like, oh, why don't you kick me off the track? And he's like, well, if you're going to have beef with one dude on the track, and um, and Graphic was like, sort of like, yeah, get rid of him, fuck it, fuck it, yeah. <laughs> it's better without him. Yeah, does Graphic, is, um, is it Graphic that kicks that off? Ah, uh, fuck, I can't. I can't remember. I think it's think I do. Oh, is it you kicking it off? Fuck, it's a dope verse, man. I was yeah. fucking. I was listening to. It, I was like, man, that fucking opening. I thought it was graphic that kicked it off. Nah, I'm pretty sure I do. Dude, what fucking like your your emceeing man coming from Perth and shit like that? Like, had you heard Prowler, Strut, or any of those dudes? Because to me, man, when I listen to you rap. Like you have a real like it, like you have almost like a prowler like cadence to your rapping not not the flows not the not the content just the way you spit man like it's just and I and I and I pay and I say this is the ultimate compliment to you man because it's like it's just this real prowler esque cadence to the way you rap had you heard money walks or any of that kind of thing by the time you were recording you know by the time you were you know by the time 03 rolled around and you were recording dynasty no, nah. <laughs> I've nah. never heard Brad. Nah. I'd heard Brad, Brad Strutt. Um, yep. I think when I was first in Melbourne, I think I copped the authentic. Mm. Um, so I'd heard that. Yep. Um, but I think Strutt has rap and changed quite a bit from authentic to what he was doing with LC anyway. Oh, certainly, man. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of that early, early Oz hip hop stuff, even I missed out on because I didn't really – get it or didn't get it where I was at and yeah. didn't wasn't exposed to it. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess it was my rapping sort of came from what I would want to hear if it was an Australian rapper rapping like the dudes I heard in, you know, in America, I guess. In the US, yeah. And always that's 
more New York sound. I always like that. Um, the grittiness of that. Yeah. You know what? Fuck, dude. The production on it kind of reminds me of um, like Violent by Design era Jedi Mind Tricks. Like it, it's just, I don't know, the, 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 it's, it's, uh, it's almost low, it's kind of lo-fi. I'd imagine that's, you know, that's the era and that's the equipment you're using. But it's, it's I don't know, the fucking, the fuck, um, I can't even think of the adjective to use, but like it's just that lo-fi fucking I don't know. It sounds Dirty. like shit. yeah, dude. It sounds like shit that should be pressed to twelve inch vinyl and just fucking boom. You know, like it's yeah, it's dope, dude. It's fucking really good. Yeah, no, it's it's funny you say that because um, I met Daniel Son in Obese Records. Yep. Really early on, and we were just like he was walking in, and I was walking out, and we sort of had a chat for a minute, and he was like, "Oh, you use an MPC," and I was like, "Nah, don't." And he's like, oh, man, fuck, this shit sounds like it comes off an NPC. Mm. And I was like, oh, just use a fucking computer. And I think I was using, like, Fruity Loops at that time. It was just the way I processed it. Like, yeah. I just wanted it to sound like the shit that I, I was hearing yep. coming out of US, I guess. And, yep. and I know that was always that sound of, like, real, yeah, real chunky, gritty, just dirty yeah, menacing sort of sound. Yeah, definitely dusty. Like, more, fucking yeah. Yeah. And and in fact, I was using a lot of samples off like VCR and stuff as well. That's so dope, dude. That's fucking <laughs> sick. Like heaps, just like heaps and heaps of stuff. Because it was like I just I just watch movies and like, all right, cool, that's fucking dope. I'd write it down so I'd know where to go to when I got the video out, plug it all into the computer. So coming off there, it would always sound like degraded as well. Yeah. A lot of the samples and stuff. So it was always sounding shitty. Yeah. Which was kind of fine, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. always trying to get that tape hum or the, you know, that sort of electrical noise yep. from the VCR. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's easy. You just fucking look it up on YouTube or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. But how was the response to that? Did you did you um did you wind up touring it? Did you head to other states and take it out there? No, we just we did one launch here in Perth. I think we flew Checkers and New Sense over, and um, that was it. Really, we didn't go anywhere. No, it was it was well received, but I think more on a um like slowly, gradually sort of seeped out into the into the Australian scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like, oh, fuck, more word of mouth sort of shit. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, uh, I, I can say, man, you've had a fucking, you've had an impact from coast to coast for the sheer fact that like, you know, like I don't tell many people who's coming on, but, you know, just a few close friends. And I've spoken to a few dudes this week, like just saying, oh, man, talking to Mortar this weekend, you know, they're like, oh, who's coming up on the podcast, blah, blah, blah. And man, every kind is like, oh, fuck, man, they all want to give me something like, oh, you know, I'll oh, take this clandestine joint, take this one. Like I've got one particular, mate, shout out to my, <laughs> shout out to my dude, Mick, keep it moving. Like he was fucking, he's handing me album after album. He bought your box set, like when you did the box set and shit like that. But oh, even no even beyond him, like you know, there's been a handful of other dudes that I've spoken to over the you know over the past um, fucking you know four or five days. They're like, oh man, this track, this track, you know. And I know, like, you guys have never even been to Brisbane, have you? You just haven't toured. Yeah, uh, we came once, and did you? it was like, yeah, uh, it was it must have been like 2007. Oh, okay, what was that for? Uh, there was some. Uh, a dude, fuck. Surprised I missed it. Uh, yeah, it was, 
I don't know. I think you guys might have been there. I can't remember. Oh, probably. It was, it was some, like, little festival. Not really a festival, but it was at some pub outdoorsy type oh, of thing. Oh, fuck off, cunt. Were you at that? Was it that, that fucking, was it called Nurture Fest or some shit? Something like that? Yes. Nurture Fest. Oh. A dude called Shrek. Dude, yeah, I'm promotion. fucking. We were there. Fucking hey, that's right. Just yeah, you just fucking mentioning it, just fucking there, yeah. jog the memory. Holy shit, that's right. Fuck. Yeah, and that was the one and only time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was at the fucking. Um, that was at the Jubilee Hotel in the Valley. That's right. In that little yes. outdoors part. Yeah, yeah. So that was the only time we ever came. Oh, man, yeah, because I was just like, fuck, man, like, you cunts have definitely had a fucking impact from coast to coast, man. Like, you've, you've, like you know, you're one of the lauded crews, like, beyond fucking Perth and whatever. Like, clandestine are certainly one of those crews, dude, you know. But, I mean, following following from um, from Dynasty, uh, did you have – was your intention to always go solo to work on – you know, because I suppose the next – you know, from my timeline of events, the next joint is um, is your first solo release. Um, well, I guess it all stemmed from the fact that I was always emceeing and writing by myself. Yeah. So, I and and as a producer, like produce my own shit, I'd always have first dibs on dope beats and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this fucking yeah. Oh, I had an idea for something. Like I'd make it and be like. Oh man, this is uh, this is for that. This mm. is for I know what I want to do with this. Yep. Um, or with the in- had had an idea with the intention of using a certain sample or something to make my own to make something I'd want to write to. Um, Thank you. So I was always doing that on the side anyway, as doing the clan shit because yep. when I was working in hotels overnight, it was like I'd have fucking time on my hands. Yes. Yeah, so I was just like I'd put a beat on fucking the Walkman or some shit and just uh write just start writing some stuff so mm. i wrote a, a lot of it like that so sort of when i was on the job <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah. and so that's how that came together um well, like doing doing that sort of solo stuff was like it was wasn't like a break away from anything i was doing anyway it was yeah, just no, it, it's an extension of it yeah yeah well, fucking do going into like Mortarshell Symphony because I mean Dynasty was 03, Mortarshell comes out in 06, Chasms of the Citadel's 07. I mean, you're a fucking busy man, dude. You're prolific. You're pumping out fucking joints. What else were you doing in that era? Because that's, I mean, that sort of, you know, 02, 03, 04, 05, that's when a lot of those compilations come out. So you're on, um, you know, you guys were on Culture Kings 2. Were you guys on Obesity? Nah. No, nah, no, nah, just Culture Kings 2. Yeah, Culture Kings 2. What else? Fucking what other – there was some other shit around that era too, wasn't there? Oh, well, there was like – well, fuck, I don't know. Yeah, I can't um, even think either. I can't even think. I should have researched a little fucking heavier, but I knew you were on Culture Kings 2 and all that. I think I did something for I – did, I did a joint for um, After Hours album. Uh, yep, yep. yep. Uh, um, fuck, what else? There was a, uh, most of the stuff coming out of Perth we were on – um, we would had our hands in some somehow a verse here and there like Layla's, um, you know anything from Hunter. Yes, um, yeah. Matty B's stuff. I did some stuff for him. Did a production for him. Um, do you produce on? Yeah, did you produce on the Courageous LP? No, nah, I didn't then. But I no. did his next joint. I did a track for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but we were all. It was. A lot of the early syllabotic stuff was sort of like we were all always all hanging out together anyway. Yeah, collaborative so you'd be stuff, and you'd be like, yeah, you'd be like, 
just hanging out, playing stuff, and be like, oh, yeah, this is new shit we're working on, or that. Although a lot of the clan shit was kept under wraps, we were very much like that as well, of yeah. like, <laughs> we didn't really let a lot of people hear it until it was done. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. But, 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 the, but the rest of the syllabotic stuff was, like, Dundee L was you know, hanging out at Daz's place and just writing some raps and, yeah, doing this. Cause it's just like, yeah, I think I got three verses on that album, so it's like... You know, a bunch of times you're just hanging out like, ah, fucking, let's let's get on it and yeah. write some shit. Yeah, absolutely, man. That fucking that creative yeah. process, man. Particularly when you know there's a few years together and you're just fucking getting amongst it. And man, it's when that fucking magic yeah. happens. Yeah, it's what you wanted to do. It was that was like the driving factor of of life. Was like, let's get together, let's drink, and and fucking record some music. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty much it, dude. It's the same story, you know. It's a or it's a similar story, you know. Through fucking, you know, it's a common thread through a lot of fucking a lot of crews, you Everything. know. Like, yeah, absolutely, man. Around yeah, this, rip. around this country, dude. It's passionate, man. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, dude, man, I, man, we got to talk on more to Shell Symphony because, as I said, man, I've been fucking visiting it this week, man, and fuck, I've pretty much rinsed it throughout the week. It is fucking, dude. I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna say it's a classic, man, start to finish. I mean, it's just there's to me, there's nothing skippable on there. Like, you know, I even fucking, I even drew this crazy parallel. Like, lucky for some, man, to me, you know, like the the character Richard Corey in it. I was thinking, man, it's like the anti Jimmy oh. Jimmy Ricard before Jimmy Ricard ever even came out, you know? Like, Richard Corey's like the anti-Jimmy Ricard, you know? Like, I was like, man, there's just... I, I was listening to a dude, like, just going, this shit is dope, man. Like, so fucking dope, dude. Your approach to it. Um, dude, can we just speak on it, man? Like, you know, obviously you're already fucking producing, you know, you've stated a few things, yeah, but yeah. talk about going into your own solo joint. Yeah, it was just a natural, natural extension. Like, I, I just... Picked the beat. I uh, sort of made and picked the beats that I that I yeah I wanted to rap on and yeah the, the Richard Corey song is actually the whole the whole story is like Jack from somewhere else yeah though yeah 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 um of a, it's a Simon and Garfunkel song oh fuck off really called Richard yeah yeah and it's exactly the same story no but shit told I've told told in you know like. Upstate New York sing song shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always I was like, I want to make that. I want to make that song again, like as a rap tune. Yeah, and make it like more, you know, because theirs was, you know, made in the sixties or something. Yes, yeah. And now, uh, you know, very airy, fairy, hippy dippy mm, mm, sort mm. of, you know, mm. and the silence, something got uncle shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I just sort of updated. No one has ever said to me, "Oh man, that's fucking." So I'm gonna go fun cool fucking idea, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like straight jack. Yeah, you might you Yeah, might. I just took their concept and, and sort of flipped it sort of to a more modern modern setting and modern modern way you know, modern lingo and all that sort of stuff. Oh, it's a fucking dope song, dude. It's a yeah. dope song. And I don't know what made me think it, man, but I was just like, man, this is like the anti-Jimmy Ricard, you know? Like I was just thinking in terms of your crew and the success Draft has had, obviously, and whatever else, but, uh, yeah. you know, like it was like fucking, it was like the the antithesis of that fucking song almost, you know, like, you know, probably five years prior to that song ever coming out. Yeah, a couple of years, yeah. Um, yeah, you're not the first person that's that's made the, that sort of reference or the really? connection of that of like, no oh, that's like, that's like the opposite of Jimmy Ricard. Yeah, yeah fucking hell. Yeah, no, a few people have said it like, yeah, 
Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'd be nice if it made did the numbers that Jimmy Ricard did. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> you mightn't be driving a bus today yeah, if, it, if it had. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's what it is, though, you know. That is, bro. That is. That yeah. is. But man, what is what do you you know? What are some of your highlights on on Mortishell Symphony? You got favourites off there? Um, yeah, probably the um, the one I sampled. I actually sampled Bob Dylan. Um, no clearance was uh, needed at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that, that knocking on heaven's door and that, the idea of that sort of you know, sort of someone who's been to war coming home and talking about it. Like, mm. um, I sort of influenced probably by like a bit like by Red Gum. Yes, you know I was only nineteen and yep. sort of like Billy Joel's like Good Night Saigon. Yeah, um, like those sort of tracks of where it's like someone reminiscing about sort of what happened and how it feels like sort of try to put put myself in that perspective. Yep, yep, certainly. And that was that was, that was pretty – I like that one a lot. Yeah. And I actually did a did – a, I do it live over like the Guns N' Roses version though. No shit. Uh, and that slams hard. Like I was like, oh, man, I should have fucking sampled that. Yeah. Said right. the Bob Dylan one. I love <laughs> Bob Dylan. Um, and, yeah, so that, that always goes off ten times as hard on live. Yeah. Because people are like, oh. I love Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <laughs> Goes down well at the fucking Rose Mount on a fucking Friday night. <laughs> they won't have them. Um, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that, um, I don't know, the whole album, that whole album was pretty, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, just that, that, it was one of those times and places where you sort of, you just do it and you forget, like, uh, what, it, what it was like, mm. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like I just did it. I did it. It was part of my life just doing it. Yeah. And I made an album and then I was like, cool, fucking – I had the uh, – sort of – I knew what I wanted to sound like, so I sort of made it to sound consistent, I guess. Yeah, certainly. And, I mean, I fucking – I mentioned the posse cut earlier, barely music, but was that recorded – were you all in the same spot or was that recorded, you know, were fucking Checkers and Nuisance and Art of War, were they in Melbourne recording their parts and sending them across by that uh, stage? No, it was when I was when I went. I was I hang. I went over there for something. I can't remember. I was there for a week, and um, yeah, just one night we went around to where the Art of War boys were hanging out, and yeah, I just had a couple of beats and I played a few, and they were like, "Oh, that one's dope, fucking," you know. Okay, cool. Sat, we sat and played it and record, wrote a couple of verses and shit, and then just jumped in the booth and recorded it, and then sort of, yeah, I think Burner. Um. Yeah, sent all the stems to me later on a CD because there was no way of doing it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The net. Was, you couldn't upload files like that back then. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But CD, CD in the mail with the stems on it. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that worked. So yeah, it was all in the one spot, one place. Recorded it. Done. No, that's dope. Well, fucking. I mean, Sacred Geometry. What's that? Oh seven. Is that the following year? Yeah, it was, it was the following year. Fuck, hun. How are you pumping out music at, like, such a fucking – at such a rate, man? Because also what um, – the clandestine joint drops the same year, doesn't it? Fucking – yeah, Chasms of the Citadel, man. Wasn't that – fucking that's 07 as well. Yeah, it was, like, January 07, and then Sacred Geometry was later. Um, mm. Well, I, I'd had Mortishell Symphony 
done and and chasms was almost done and so i dropped we dropped the symphony one and then that was the first joint through double beef um because mass had given us a call and wanted to sign us yeah um because we'd left left our distro deal with obese yep um and so we we're like yeah cool fuck no worries um so we they put that out and then I'd finished up Chasms of the Citadel and sent it off to get mastered, I think, and that. And in the meantime, I quit my job and I actually um, I left Perth and I went, went to Adelaide for a couple of Well, it ended up being six months, I think, six months, five or six months. Yeah. Um, just on a, on a whim again <laughs> of uh, I, I called trials up one day and was like, man, I'm fucking Jack doing this job. I fucking – hate it and he's like come to adelaide yeah and i think saying it is like ah oh, you know joking and that and i was like yeah fucking okay yeah and then it was just happened yeah <laughs> i just drove across the nullarbor in my car yeah. <laughs> and so halfway across the nullarbor i was calling like uh double beef records um yeah trying to sort out that the, the finishing of this album because i hadn't seen it pressed or anything yeah and so i think they sent a box they sent a box to me um when i was at trials place um but that came out then um so yeah so and i just crashed lived in trials um spare room for like five months and just hung out in adelaide and and met all the um, characters there. Yeah, that must have been fucking became, dope, dude. Speaking of like, you know, sort of productive dudes, I mean, trials, man, like, fuck, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, funny enough, we didn't hardly do any music together yeah. <laughs> during the whole time. Yeah. We're just hanging out, having a laugh, and like, you know, him and um, Vince be mm. fucking staying all night playing Street Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, and, uh, that's what I was about to say. Is this around the time because you're on Vence's record as well with Trials? Yeah, that happened because of that, because yeah. I was there. Yeah. And um, Joe was coming around, records shit all the time um, in the laundry, which was right next to the spare room where, where I was trying to sleep. So I'd be, <laughs> you know, I'd stay up late anyway, but then like I would go to sleep and then hear fucking Joe rat rattling off shit. <laughs> and that. During the night. And uh, something, the one time I went to use Trials' Mac, which I'd never used before, and uh, I didn't do anything, but apparently after I'd used it, all of Joe's album went missing. You're fucking kidding. And so I was fingered. <laughs> fingered for Finger like, banged? Yeah. I was like, the poor finger was pointed at me for like, I deleted Joe's album. And I was like, I fucking didn't do shit. And then I'm like, oh, panic, panic. That's why Joe recorded this whole shit again. And I, I just think it was Trials didn't think Joe, uh, Joe's verses were good enough. <laughs> the recordings were good enough. Well, did, so, he, um, did he lose the whole album? How much I, of it was recorded? Uh, I don't know. I think the whole there was a whole lot of stuff done, and then apparently it was all gone. But some of it was on another computer anyway. Yeah. And all the beats there and all that stuff. I don't think it really affected it that much, yeah. other than the fact that Joe had to go and record a few of the verses again. Yeah. And I think I was unfairly, uh, yeah, like uh, uh, yeah, snitched on 
<laughs> as the culprit. When I don't think I had anything to do with it. <laughs> there was shenanigans going on somewhere else. <laughs> it's funny though, man, because fucking MacBooks in like, you know, 06, 05, 06, 07, like, you know, or just a Mac, like an Apple fucking computer seems so foreign to so many people. Like I remember my missus at the time, she got one and all my mates would come over and we'd fucking, you know, we'd go on the Mac and they'd all look at it and go, oh, fuck this, man. Fuck, fuck this shit. Fuck, man. You know, like fuck, fucking Mac. Fuck, blah, blah, blah. Every cunt's on a Mac today, man. But, you know, like then it was like this foreign fucking, it was like a foreign fucking instrument or some shit, man. You know, no cunt knew what a fucking Mac was or how to use one. Yeah. All, all those Adelaide dudes, like Hoods and, you know, Fun Calls and everybody, they were all on Macs. Yep, yep. And I was like, what the fuck? What is this shit? And like, yeah, yeah. it was a big white, it was like a big white enamel brick looking thing. Yeah, dude. The Mac back then you used. Yeah. And I'd never used it. All I used it for was the internet. And then apparently somehow I deleted the whole album. <laughs> even though I didn't. The internet explorer thing or whatever it was. <laughs> Safari. Oh, on Safari. <laughs> <laughs> trying to use LimeWire or some shit. <laughs> Fucking delete an album. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trying to delete out, trying to delete other albums. Because <laughs> well, mine was just coming out, so they're like, ah, oh, you're trying to delay Joe's. It was all, you know, joking and fun. Yeah, of but course. Unfairly, unfairly fingered. Unfairly for the crime, so, mate. Unfairly so. Well, dude, like fucking, you just mentioned double beef before. Um, how long did how long did Mass run that for? Was that like how many? Re- I don't know whether you even know, but how many releases did he have? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue. I just know that we did short lived. We did, yeah, pretty much. I think yeah. we did. Um, we did a seven inch for him because he rang up and was like, "I'd really like to release a seven inch," yeah. and like we weren't gonna release a seven inch so we were like oh yeah cool so we recorded two tracks for that mm. and and we did a video for one of them um because we had a mate who was doing videos and shit so it was like oh cool yeah let's do that yeah. and after that he was like oh man that went gangbusters that was like everybody fucking loves it and shit um do you want to release some stuff through us and we just like sort of broken away from obese distribution for some reason. I can't remember at the time. Um, and so we are like, yeah, cool. And then I think we did two albums, My, my Solo and then Chasm of the Citadel okay. through them. And it was like they, were just, they sort of finished up. I think it was more a whim of masses to do something and then yeah. he was like too busy playing online um, <laughs> type shit, weird stuff. <laughs> um, but, what is that, those original, like, you know, immersive worlds where you could go into and, like... Oh, fuck. That alternate life alternate weird. life shit or whatever the fuck. That sort of shit, because I, I stayed with him in, in Sydney um, shortly before we went to, to that Brisbane tour. Yeah. Uh, and that's all he was doing was that. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, yeah. what is that? <laughs> oh, man, he's running a whole other life online somehow. <laughs> so I think he's, he got busy doing that and the label stuff just sort of felt like, ah, uh, you know, yeah. his missus at the time took 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 the load off and did did most of the work, I think, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he was also he, he was also fucking running um, OzHipHop.com, wasn't he, at that, at that time? Or did he start yeah. it or? Uh, I think he took over from um, – Fuck, who was it? Oh, I don't know. I thought it was his or yeah. Mish, Mish or something. Um, yeah, I got no idea. I don't know. I never met her. Um, she, he took over over from her doing it, and that's when it sort of blew up and yes. went big. 
and then <coughs> I think he like saw the writing on the wall of what was coming with Facebook and all that sort of stuff and was like he bunked out on it and sort of that sort of message board stuff nobody cares about anymore. No, yeah, yeah, no, fuck no, fuck no. But I remember, I remember, you know, a lot of the double beef releases, you know, you could get through there. I think he put Bunks out. He might have put Mourns' first joint out and the clandestine shit. But I remember seeing those double beef releases advertised through there. Yeah, he did like a bunch of like sevens that were really, they were all pretty good. Mm, mm, um, mm. Yeah, I've got all of them somewhere. Yeah, can, it wasn't, it was Bunksy's um, Dr. Suckboos or whatever. I think that was double beef, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, Dr. Suckboos, yeah. yeah. That was, that was a seven. And there was um the, yeah, the Morns one. Yep. Which is like a, a, a jack of uh, MOP, I think. Yeah. I haven't heard in a long time. I remember hearing it way yeah, back. Yeah, so I think that was the first time I heard Morns, and I was like, oh, this dude's pretty fucking fresh. Yeah, man. But yeah. He sounds a lot different than he does now, obviously. Yeah, certainly. Uh, yeah, but, but even back then it was like, oh, yeah, this dude's fucking cool. Um, and, yeah, so I think I – think, I don't know if there was any – full-length albums other than ours that really came out on it. Mm. Not that I – but it was like a short-lived thing anyway. And then from then sort of most – I think that sort of being able to distribute yourself sort of started coming to play where labels are no longer really relevant in the scene. Yeah, true. At, at, well, at this sort of underground level, I guess. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, you, yeah, you start, you, know, you, you can fucking, yeah, it's all, you can be fairly self-sufficient, you know, once, you know, once everyone's sort of harnessed the fucking use of social media and the internet and all that kind of thing, you realise, well, fuck, what, you know, what real necessity is there for a fucking label at this point? But did you have, like, the reception to those double beef releases, did they sell? Like, how, well, how was the reception to, um, you know, to Chasms of the Citadel and Mortishell Symphony? Yeah, that was good. Well received. Um, well received enough. Yeah, yeah, we sold quite a few. Um, probably, probably standard for sort of releases at the time of what people were moving and that. Pretty yeah, standard. Yeah. There was that sort of standard set stock of like people who would buy everything and all that. Yeah, that's right. You could and, sell um, fucking. You could sell a thousand copies or five hundred. You could sell between five hundred and a thousand copies of something. You know, relatively fucking. Just, yeah, real quickly. I'm like, yeah, mm. and yeah, because there was that sort of that core scene which seemed a lot more solid and a lot more. Yeah, I guess things like the message board where everyone was communicating on that sort of thing as well. Yeah, sort of seemed a lot more uh, a lot more unity as well. Yeah. So there was a lot more stuff that you're doing things. You could kind of see what was going on as well in yeah. in your world, and also all these other artist worlds were sort of exposed on there as well, yeah. of like just what thing people what was coming out, what people were working on, what they were doing, who was doing this, who was going where, all that sort of stuff. Well, now it's like isolated to each person's, you know, personal Facebook page or something. Yes, yeah, certainly. And if you're Looking at it, you don't know what's going on. <clears throat> That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, for all the criticisms we've had of fucking, you know, the forums and all that kind of bullshit over time, I mean, there was there yeah. was there was a degree of community that existed amongst it. You know, there was regular names. You know, you could go there and get a review of a gig you did fucking the night prior, or you might see photos or something like. You know, yeah, it was a good great way to promote things beyond yeah. anything else. There was always, you know, there was always the flip side to the fucking negative. Yeah, I, I loved I loved the community that it sort of brought out in people, and that you 
I got to know people that I'd never met and sort of, because you could see them in the photos as well at gigs and all this stuff. Yeah. And then you'd, you know, speak to them, might message back and forth a little bit. And then you go to someplace and you meet them for real and you like, you already know them almost um, to a degree. And then, and also the sort of like negative sides of it were also entertaining as well. Yeah. Because there was a lot lot of trolling that went on. Mm. And if you knew some of the aliases of people who were doing a trolling or groups of people that were trolling under the same account, um, it was quite entertaining because sometimes, you know, it's a very diverse scene. Not, you're not, you don't get on with everybody and you don't, you're not necessarily into everybody else's music. So sometimes you see someone that you know is, you know, trolling someone else, having fun, you know, pulling the piss on this stuff, you know, it was entertaining as well. Yeah, certainly, man. In, in ways, and I'm sure people probably look at it as bullying or something nowadays. Oh, people stuff. are fucking skirts these days, dude. Like, fucking seriously, man, yeah. I don't know. I think things are fucking, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, whether things are, whether things are progressing for the better. We seem so fucking... Yeah, I call, I call them the recreationally outraged, you know, like everyone has to be fucking outraged at something at some point, you know, and like it did it, while it did exist in that era, obviously, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's something else. Sorry, dude, what were you saying? Continue. No, uh, yeah. Oh, the same thing of like, yeah, that like if, if you did get trolled, you knew you were getting trolled, yeah. you know, you know, you see it and you're like, you just react like back. You didn't go like, oh, my, oh you hurt my feelings. <laughs> you like, fuck me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whatever. It was like, it, it's not real. It's, it was on the internet as well, yeah. I think. And I think I think that's the difference now. Like the internet as well now, like Facebook and everything and all other social media stuff seems to, a lot of people, it seems to be their life. Not do. Whereas getting on the internet and looking at like the forums was like, you know, you weren't, you weren't walking around with it in your pocket. No, nah, it, well. it was it was more just you know like fucking fifteen minutes of entertainment. Yeah, and you get on there like see oh fucking these dudes are fucking uh, they got an album coming out oh fuck cool I'll check for that yeah and then someone else writing some weird shit and fucking someone having to go at someone else for not being fucking real or something. Yeah, yeah. Rob, Robbie, Bell, like, Robbie oh, Balboa going on there and fucking <laughs> 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 outraging fucking everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he does it. He's still doing that now. Yeah, apparently, yeah. That's what fucking someone told me recently and, like, yeah, he's under a million different aliases again. I was like, fucking really, man? I haven't even seen that come around in fucking Christ knows how long. But, yeah, I, I remember he was a favourite in those fucking forums. <laughs> yeah, things hectic. Um, yeah, he's still doing the same shit. Yeah. I, every now and again, I get like a Facebook thing from him, like asking me to be friends again. And I'm like, I didn't know we weren't friends. <laughs> like I've accepted his friendship so many times. <laughs> and, and then he'll just delete the page or mute the page or, well, I don't know, something, delete everyone. And I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, I just look at his stuff as, like, entertainment as well. Dude was a fucking dope MC, man. I mean, the shit he was doing with vents and trials and that years ago, like, he was fucking, man, like, Bell Bowl was fucking insane. Like, I don't – like, I was never heavy in the forums and all that kind of shit. I didn't even have the internet for a lot of years, like, until I sort of got with the woman that became my wife who she got the internet put on and all that kind of <laughs> thing. And, you know, like, yeah, for real, man. Like, I like I remember me and yeah. Oath, we heard that um, years and years ago, like, once again in those forum days, um, we got word that Oath was being – 
dissed in those forums. We went up to the fucking local library and paid two dollars to use to use the internet so we could find out what cunts were saying about him. I remember we're sitting there clicking on shit, going, "What's this shit, man? What's this shit like?" And we wound up finding the thread that he was being dissed on, you know, at the local library because none of us had the fucking internet, man. We never used it like that, and it's it's been too much, you know, it's much to our detriment today because I'm still fucking fairly, you know, fairly backwards in that regard. But yeah, like in terms of Balboa and shit, man, I never really fucking I never really knew what he did or how he pissed people off. I always just thought he was a dope MC and I always kind of got along with the dude for what it was worth, you know, like up here, man. He was always kind of a mate, you know, like whatever. I haven't seen him in a lot of years though and I know he pissed a lot of people off, but regardless, you know. Yeah, I think he's just straight up and down to says what he is on his mind or, you know, yeah. I think he knows he's wanting to push buttons as well. Yeah, I think not he, too sure. I think he attempts I, to I do met that. Him, I met him in Adelaide like – once or twice, really early on, um, and the rest of it is just shit he's done online, and you know, ver- you know, hearing his music and that. Uh, I actually got a- asked by um, it's DJ Cancel. Yeah. Um, this was probably mid two thousands. Yep. Was like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking doing something with Robbie Balboa, and he's like, do you want to produce his album or something? And I was like, oh, I can do something, yeah. Yeah. And then he never, never really heard back. Which is, yeah, I think cancel drop everything off the map. Yeah, I remember fucking. I remember. Yeah, I remember years ago here in Brisbane, and we'll get fucked, dude. We'll get off this subject anyway. But I remember uh, we wound up at his house. It was like a party or something. It was like you know, us like the town <laughs> drunks and a bunch of us. But he played us joints that he'd recorded with Trials and Vents, and I think it was for an EP that was coming out or something like that. And I remember at the time just being floored by it. I was like, wow, you know. And I thought, man, this cunt has like an infinite amount of potential. He could be just fucking amazing if you know, like whatever the fuck it was that held him back or, you know, I do, I've got no fucking clue. But, you know, yeah, it was um, – he, he did have some fucking yeah. crazy music, man. Yeah, him and him and um, Vince had recorded a whole bunch of stuff. I heard a lot of it. Yeah. And then it never went anywhere. And, I, I, I mean, I don't know what happened behind nah. the scenes that made them not put it out or not pursue it or mm. what, you know, made Robbie sort of like sort of move away into that sort of extreme – internet or trolls persona type thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah. but dude, fucking, yeah, in, an interesting character, man, and fucking, you know, it just is what it is, man. <laughs> yeah. You need them because even if you don't agree or whatever they're saying and that, at least you see what people's reactions are to things as well. Oh, certainly, bro. Like how, how people are, you know, how uh, – you know, gullible people are to buy into some things or, you know, like well, how get e- Yeah, and how easily stuff. baited. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, how yeah. easily baited people can be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, it's all fun. That's it, mate. That's it. But, dude, like fucking, you know, sort of in that in that period following um, Sacred Geometry and Chasms of the Citadel, like were you touring? What were you doing sort of in that period? Like fucking – because there's a couple of years there before the fucking next clandestine record, but also, you know, I noticed that you you work, you work quite closely with Hunter over the course of his career, man. Like, and then, you know, 2011 is where uh, Fear and Loathing comes out. And, I, man, we really got to speak on – like I want to speak on this album kind yeah. of – you know, like because it's an amazing. I don't know whether I don't know whether you'd class it as a concept album. I'm not too sure. Like you know, sometimes that you know people will go oh, a concept record, but man, to me it kind of it's kind of like a concept album. But it 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 it, it plays flawlessly, bro. Like and it's it's you know like. 
your relationship with Hunter Man, let's, you know, like we'll get into it. Like can you just speak on like, you know, meeting him and, you know, um, dude, your contributions to his career? Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I first met Hunter at the Hyde Park Hotel mm. um, probably a couple of times and then didn't really know him that well. And then one time – it was a battle and we were mucking around and I kicked, he was sitting on the floor and I kicked his beer over onto him <laughs> and he got really angry and I was like, oh, sorry, brave, and I'll buy you another one. <laughs> Bought him another one and then we sort of think we drank a bit and then we're like, yeah, just being in the same group of friends and hanging out, his place sort of was like the spot yep. um, to hang out and, I mean – so many people came through there in, from interstate as well, you know, like mm. Taunts, Bigfoot and, um, you know, yeah, like Tram, fucking everybody that came through Perth sort of ended up at Hunter's flat. He was an ambassador oh, for Australian hip-hop, wasn't he, man? Like he really, he really oh, no, truly yeah. was. He was a, oh, yeah, ahead of his time of like yes. yeah. reaching out to people across the country as well, I yep. think, and just being unapologetically himself and – you know, just wading into everything at full full tilt, not yeah. not holding back. So yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, his his spot was the joint. Everyone would go hang out there. You know, Silbikes sort of that was one of the hubs of like yeah, just doing stuff and you know socialising, I guess. And Optimus used to live there for a while, so it was like double the reason to go there. And, yeah, it was just me and Hunter just because we were the same age as well, um, mm. a little bit older than some of the other dudes yep. um, in the crew. And I think we just had a similar mindset. And, um, yeah, we just we clicked and it, we just ended up becoming drinking partners for a while <laughs> of, like, every weekend I was like that I was off, I was, like, fucking straight out of work on the phone, Hunter. Yeah. You know, what do you – Come, I'm coming around, you know, <laughs> yeah. which it was like that with everybody anyway. But, um, yeah, we just formed a, a friendship and we'd, we'd actually started working on the album a lot earlier, mm. um, that Fear and Loathing. We sort of over – it's probably over the course of five or six years that we'd sort of jump-started again and again and never really got stuck into it. Um, so – it wasn't really until he was diagnosed um, with cancer um, and how serious it was yeah. that we sort of – he was like, I want to get this done. I want to do this. I'm, I'm, or, you know, this this has to get done. And I was like, of course. And I, at the same time, I'd just been through a, a big bout of sickness um, myself. I um, had a, a lot of problems with anxiety Um that I hadn't – and I started getting medicated and all that sort of stuff, and it was really quite uh, serious at the time because yeah. um, I'd never had any – to do with my stomach and all that sort of stuff, I'd never had anyone say it might be anxiety-related or that sort of thing. Yeah. Or that, or that the two can interact with each other and cause sort of this spiralling um, health problems. Yeah, certainly. And so I was actually really, really crook at the time when Hunter called me up. He was in Melbourne – and said, I've been to the hospital in here in Melbourne and I have to go and get back. You know, say I've got cancer or that. Jesus. 
and was like, yeah, that was heavy. That yeah. was a heavy dark and exactly where I was standing and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I was house-sitting house with my um, girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, yeah. at the time, and I was just like, oh, it was like I was already felt like I'd been hit with a ton of bricks and all the shit that was going on with me. Yeah. And then to have him say that, I was like, wow, that's it, that dwarfs my yeah. my problem. Everything, well, seemed, yeah. everything seems to pale in comparison, doesn't it? You know, like once you – even yeah. when you just say it, man, like you just go, fuck, you know, like, yeah, you feel it. So we sort of jumped into that album with an urgency of like – because he was given six months – uh, at the start, they said, "Yeah, you've probably got six months max." So he was like, "Okay, cool. I want to do this." Yeah. And he started doing it, and he just we got into it, and and we'd had the idea and all that for a long time of like using that that movie. It's one of my favourite movies, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yeah. Using like predominantly using samples from that, like the music samples um, from the movie soundtrack, um, which I, yeah, I had someone give me the soundtrack on CD like years before, which was like cool because it's like, okay, i got everything there. Um, I used a few other things, different things that fit in with it as well yep. from that era, that time, that sort of vibe. We just we just really worked it and, and sort of got it done because we had this sort of like, yeah, this tailwind booting us along to say, don't, don't wait, yeah, don't, don't wait, stop. you've got to do it now. Yeah, make it happen. And the, all this stuff gave us – like just a reason to do it as well and that the, the you know things to write about as well just with everything going on yeah and we sort of got that done and then he like moved on to the next thing which was like you know him and Vame did a joint monster house yes and then he started collating all that um the canteen stuff and then yep. he did another album <laughs> um and then it, so it kind of like I think he, he did a lot of stuff in that time and I think him being motivated to do stuff, it probably extended the time frame that they'd given him, you know. Yeah, it was like absolutely. over another, another year on top of what they had given him in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And they said he'd be lucky because it was so bad. And so, yeah, it was a real like – it's, it holds a special place in my heart, that album, of what it means and what it represents and, and what it was, you know, that working with someone who, like, you're your best friend. Like, he was at that time I got married as well. He was, he was the best man at my wedding yep. and everything. And to sort of be on that journey with him as well and see him go through everything and be working there on this music that he was so passionate about and seeing this other thing in his life that was sort of taking him over and, yeah, it's yeah. It, I don't listen to it a lot though, because mm, mm. it's. I suppose the emotion involved. So. Yeah, it's it's not a like a thing I can put on and just enjoy a vibe to. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a real reminiscing for me of like every every line of that album that I remember, like what we were doing, where we were, you know, what was going on and stuff, and. Yeah, it's like it's special as well, but also yeah, like it's 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 hard as well because you realise how long it's been. Yeah, and you know, like listening to it, man, and 
and you, I don't mean to interrupt. Please continue. But like listening to it, you get a lot of things, no. you get a lot of uh, hunters' anger and kind of I- even in- introspection. Well, you know, like you get a lot of introspection, and then like uh, the, I don't know. To me, my like when I listen to it, as I'm listening to it, and once again, like listening to it, fucking you know, start to finish at length this week, like pretty much rinsing that and Mortishell Symphony in particular, like this week, um. Like just like listening to yeah. it and just going, man. Like I, I hear a degree of anger in him. You know, like there's like you know, like <clears throat> you know, in no which way is it um, is it um, uh, yeah. Could you, what's the word? Like uh, I don't, I don't want to say anything. You know, like like there's no sort of there's no self pitying or anything. It's like an anger. It's like it's like fuck this, and I'm gonna fucking beat this shit. Like you know. But then there's also yeah. that, there's that in, there's that layer of introspection as well that I, I imagine comes about because of the illness, because of the sickness? I don't know. I mean, you could speak on it further. Yeah, well, I think his attitude wasn't like, oh, poor bugger me. No. I've got this. No, you don't get that. You don't get that. No. It's like his attitude from the start was, well, fuck this. I'm not going to let this stop me do what I like doing. And if it's going to take me, I'm going to do as much as I want to do in – what time I've got left. And so it put an urgency, urgency in his attitude to doing things. I think it sort of really like sharpened his focus of, of, of his world, I guess of like, okay, well what's, what's really important to me. So it was like his son and his music. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Everything else then became, it doesn't matter. It's all bullshit to him, you know, I guess that like, it's, it's really about the people around you and what you what you what you really love mm. and so uh, he it, it sort of you know did ch- obviously you know getting cancer and and that sort of form of cancer that's so bad that you, you it can't help but change you oh, as a of person course, man of course and i think it did make him very it gave him like this sort of fire of like nah not me i'm not going to let this take me and not go destroy me um and also, yeah, that's more of introspective of like, what have I done with my life? What do I want to leave? Mm. What do I want to put out mm. while, I've, while I'm still here? Sort of, you know, which sort of changed, you know, because he never would have done, you know, compilation, the canteen. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. That wouldn't have happened. That was like something. It was like, oh, well, it kind of became so close to his heart that it's like, well, I want to do something. That even though it came out after he passed, yeah. it was his legacy of putting it together, and yeah. So yeah, his his music his 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 music did become a lot, particularly that Fear and Loathing album did become sort of looking back at himself, who he was, what he'd done, and how he wanted to move forward. Yeah. No, it's 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 and that, and, yeah. yeah. It seems like it's like amazingly assertive, you know. Like he's, it's not fucking like like I was saying. There's nothing, there's nothing in there. It's like fucking, you know. His attitude is like, man, I'm gonna stand toe to toe with this cunt, and I'm gonna punch on with it, you know. Like fucking cancer, you know. Like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go it, and I'm gonna do it. And yeah. particularly by the time when you get to the last track on the record, and you listen through it, and I wanna, I like, I wanna ask you about your approach to the production, being like, you know, hearing now that it's, you know, and also like you guys sort of go into length in the liner notes as well like if anyone has the cd you know a hard copy of it man get you know 
take the fucking cover out and read what's written in there, man, because it's fucking it's amazing. It's what's well, two different kind of two different sides of the same coin in a way. You tell your side, Mortar and Hunter kind of yeah. tells his how his approach was to it, but. Like fucking, where the fuck was I going there? Like I can't even remember. But dude, it's it's a fucking dope, <laughs> dude. It's a dope record from start to finish. You 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 were saying you started it. You know when did you start it? Years prior to it actually kind of coming out. Uh, probably six or seven years. We'd we'd written and recorded some stuff, and none of none of that ever made it on the album. Okay. Like all the stuff that yep. was on the album was from from sort of. The moment point. I think maybe yeah. the, the first track, maybe I think we recorded that already, and then we sort of took it from there. Yeah. Um, and so some of it did sort of document his sort of decline as well. Yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Kind of that the album is sort of you can hear through some of it where it's sort of like oh, it's it's getting later in the stages of his cancer. Yeah, you can hear it in his voice. Yeah, there's like there, there's there's parts where there's an acceptance. You know, it's kind of like, uh, okay, this is what the fuck I'm dealing with. You know, I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna go hard. I'm gonna beat this motherfucker, but this is what it is. You know, like yeah, there's so much in there, man. There's so much to fucking take in, and that's not, dude. That's to, to, that takes nothing from your contributions because lyrically on it, you are a fucking monster, bro. Like seriously, but your approach to the production, man. Like it 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 it. It's it's removed from your sound on your solo shit and the clandestine stuff. It sounds different. Oh, definitely, it sounds different, man. And it sounds like I, I I don't know what you're producing today, but like the production is so fucking dope, dude. Like you know, seriously, man. Your approach to it. Can we speak on just your 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 own personal approach to the production, and then you going in and standing alongside him, knowing what he's dealing with? How are you? You know, I mean, I suppose you've kind of touched on that but you know the beats and all that kind of shit dude like man fuck even just like that this yeah. that, that that tom jones shit it's not unusual it's not unusual like man that shit like the shit bangs bro the shit bangs <laughs> well it's basically like i mean i fell in love with that movie but you know when it probably early 2000s and that yep um not long after i came out a bit earlier but i think i got onto it then and I was, I was, you know, I loved it. I loved Hunter S. Thompson's writings. Yeah. So I just, I don't know, I don't know where it came up with Hunter that we were just like, I was like, I'd really like to do something where I take all the songs that are in the soundtrack of an hour of a movie and um, sort of turn that into an album so it has that feel of the movie. Mm. And so we were like, yeah, cool, that's fucking dope. And so it, we took, you know, there's. They're not unusual. There's a bit in the movie where he's driving down like the the main strip of Vegas, and that's playing. And um, so I just you know watched the, watched the movie that many times. Got the soundtrack. I knew what songs were in it and all that, and just sourced all of them if they weren't on the soundtrack, and just sort of went through and so it's just seeing what I could make, what beats I could make using those things. Yep. And just uh, some other things that were that fitted into that vibe of like that that time frame that it, that it was set in as well. Yeah, yeah. And so obviously it's going to sound different to a lot of the stuff I was sampling for all the clan shit and my solo shit and all that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but if you, if you, if you listen to the, to the album and then watch the movie, 
with with that in mind, with all the samples in mind, you'll see them pop up throughout the whole thing. I got I got to like, yeah, I got to fucking go back and watch the movie. That's what I thought this week. I was like, man, I know I've seen it, and I was even talking to my wife. I was like, fuck, have we watched this shit? Like, have we watched this movie? Because I had it on in the car and stuff like that. Like, I could turn it down. Obviously, my daughter, I got a four year old, four turning five year old daughter. You know, so <laughs> some of it's got to go down. I'm just like, fuck, turn it down, fuck. You know, like, but man, like I was saying to her, I'm like, man, yeah. is it on Netflix? Like, I, I got to go back and check that movie and. I, I only want to watch the movie. I've seen it. I know I've fucking seen it because I remember bits and pieces of it, but I only want to watch the movie based on yeah. listening to the record, man. Like, seriously, like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, there's heaps of bits. You'll be like, oh, fuck. Okay, yeah, that 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 music's there. Like, mm. him just running down the hall with the room service trolley. There's a song playing and it's like, fucking, oh, that's in there. Yeah. And it's only for like, you know, four or five seconds of that scene yeah but it's like i i know what that is fucking that yeah so it's kind of like a weird weird it is it is a concept album yeah on on sort of two levels i guess of like following that sort of the theme of the movie and then the sort of the whole situation that hunter was in yeah certainly and you know yeah me being his for a friend sort yeah. of on that following him along yeah yeah going through my own problems was it was it if you don't mind me asking was it a difficult or was it uh what you know was, was it a difficult recording process like just knowing like you going through your own issues you having to deal with your own personal issues but then knowing that you know your best mate was fucking well you know a great friend was fucking you know facing well you know was facing death like he was yeah yeah he was yeah um yeah it's it's weird because it was just kind of like we're in the studio we're just doing it together like yeah. it was like normal yeah there was just this back backdrop of like it's not normal though you know mm, mm. but because we've done it so many times it was just like we were just in there doing it and like yeah nah yep that's cool nah you can do this bit better fucking you know okay you know yeah i but even like yeah, I, like, I, I even like how there's you, you, sorry oh yeah no it was just it's just okay it was like normal it was like normal the way we we would act yeah no, yeah, without that sort of spectre of cancer, but but it was it was there in the background of like why we were doing it and why we had to get it done yeah. and not fuck around on shit, you know? Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. And I like the parallels that you draw between one another too. It's like, you know, you kind of find. Yeah, I don't know whether you like. I don't know whether it's putting too fucking fine a point on it, but it's almost like you find a, like a muse in one another in a way. Like you know, you're both sort of um, finding that parallel. You, you know, you're both popping fucking mad pills. Like Hunter's, you know, you can't drink anymore, but Hunter, you know, Hunter's been told he can't drink anymore, but he might still yeah, yeah. be able to have a couple. But he's all popping fucking pills and all that kind of shit. Like there's a, there's a, there's an incredible dynamic there, man. Like and it's fucking, it's just. Yeah. It, I'd, I'd implore anyone, man, to go back and and. I imagine people are still listening to that album because it's a fucking amazing album. But, man, go back, get into fucking Fear and Loathing, man, because it is fucking – it's something else, man. And once again, like, I, I don't know, dude, I, I, I've written it down because I just wanted to highlight it, but you got you got a, you got a way with posse cuts, dude. Bat Country, man, like – Layla and Pressure catch bodies oh, on that shit, dude. Like, you know, beyond the hilltop hoods, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you've worked with the hoods, man. You've done things with the hoods. But, like, you know, but beyond having hoods on yeah, track, I mean, Layla and Pressure just, poo, 
Ooh, like they fucking man. That I, I couldn't split them for a gold, man. They both take a fucking gold medal. They stand on the podium together, man. That posse cut is some fucking monumental shit. And the way it's the, your production, dude. Like once again, your production. You hand them yeah. the bed to fucking kill that shit. Yeah, and it's, I think it's a lot different to what you'd hear the hoods on as well. Yeah, like, oh, for nowadays. Real. Yeah. Um, yeah, particularly. And yeah, it was just hunters. You know, I, Hunter was like, I want to get the hoods on this mm. album. Mm. So it was like, cool. And I did that here for something. And I just, I just said, asked them. I said, oh, you know, fucking, you can, you know, Hunter wants you to be on this album. And they were just like, yeah, cool. No worries. Send us a beat. We'll do it. Yeah. And then, yeah, just we, you know, wanted, he wanted Layla on there as well. Yeah. I and then graphic was like another addition there. Yeah, just, yeah. um, yeah, and I, yeah, sort yeah, of came I, together really well. Yeah, I, man, I wouldn't take, I can't take anything from anyone on that track. But to me, it's like Layla and Precious standing on the podium, man, clutching the gold. Like I was just like, wow, you know, like they somehow just fucking like Layla is a beast, man. Like she's fucking something else, man, sensational. Like even that joint, yous have got a joint with her on her record, don't you? On Heretic, I'm pretty sure. Fucking yeah, um, yeah like man, like yeah, yeah. once again, just that's cool, but yeah, yeah, f- just yeah, f- she's a she, she's. She's the best. Yeah, fucking amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah. Did you just get to um? Did you just get to perform it live? Did you just get to take it live? Like go out there and perform it. Um, we did that. We did. We did a couple of shows. Um, we did a launch, and the hoods flew over for it, and they came out and did that track. Oh, for um, real. Which was I think we did it. We did it as the last song. Yeah. And they sort of came out, and nobody knew that they were going to be there. Yeah. And so the place just went wild. Erupted. And Hunter was just like, Hunter was just like so. Um, like I think it was the highlight of his night as well. Was just having the hoods come out and yeah. step on stage with him. Yeah. You know, because he's known them since before they were the hoods that we know. You know, yes, in that yes, same yeah. year. Um, but it was just like, I think it was just that icing on the cake as well of that night that they, you know, they flew themselves over. They wanted to be there yeah, and and be there for him. That was just for him. And then they performed a couple of tracks, which were just for him at the end. Wow. You know, which no one knew they were going to do. It was wow. just like they just did a couple of tracks and Hunter was just sitting there just like, oh, man, you know, having the time of his life. Fuck. And, um, yeah. That was that was awesome, and I think we did a we did another couple of shows. I think we did uh, support for Pegs. Yep. Um, which we were given the wrong time for the stage, the stage time. So me and uh, Defire, who was DJing for us at the time, I think we rocked up like twenty minutes later than we should have. <laughs> yeah. And Hunter was like mad as a snake because oh. he was like, "You should have been here." And we're like, "No." told us this we would tell this time and it was like um and that ended up on the documentary of him going off at us and like oh man sorry man i was just like fuck bro i'm sorry <laughs> you know and then <laughs> and then we did a uh what was it fuck there was a sort of like a hip-hop day festival type shit on in the funk halls um we're here for it they were headlining and me and hunter did it and it was the last time we performed together mm. and it was two weeks before he passed away. Oh, shit. And for half the show, he was just 
um, he brought a chair up on stage and sat there and did it. Yeah. And it was like everybody was just like – it was, that was some of the best shows I've ever done, not because of like the size of the crowds or like the hypeness, but there was just this real love yeah. from the people. Yeah. Like they knew what he was going through. They could see it. Like they knew that he was sitting in that chair, not because he wanted to sit. Like he wanted to be standing and jumping around and like smashing it out as hard as he could. Yeah. He just physically couldn't do it. Yeah. And but, but he but was. He was smashing it out as hard as he could. He was fucking there doing it. <laughs> you know, like fuck. Yeah. Oh, he was doing Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, man, two, two weeks before you pass away, Jesus. most people would not be sitting on a stage no, trying man. to perform a whole set. You know, no. and, but it was just this, um, yeah, this, this this love that you got from the crowd of people. Like it was more than music. It was like it was like Hunter just was there for them, and they were there for him. Mm. And like just this uh, man, it's so hard to describe because I've never felt that sort of same way with the crowd. Like you know, people love your shit and they're, they're excited about it, and they just want to jam and smash out in the mosh pit and that but this was just a different vibe like they were pressing up against the front just like there was just this uh yeah real feeling of like yeah love from everybody that they were just like it was something special that you can't capture you can't put in words and i always remember the launch we did i did i did there's a solo track for each of us on there yeah i did his and i did mine he he got off the stage and stood in the front row of the crowd, just like hugging people and just stood back and just watched me do it. Yeah. Because he was like, I, I wanted to see you do it. I didn't want to be there doing it with you. I, I wanted to see, I wanted to be in the, I wanted to be the audience for that song because he loved that song that I did. Yeah. That solo joint on the Fear and Loathing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like weird because it was, he was just like vibing out and it was just like, he seemed so happy at this time of like, He's going through such a horrible thing, mm. pain all the time, constant, and then just to see him standing there and he was just like – there was just people holding him up sort of like, you know, this is fucking Hunter, oh, man. And like he was just standing there and just like – I could just like – you know, his body was dying but his eyes were like so alive. He was alive, yeah. It was like on fire. Yeah. Bit of, bit of sweet, like, man. It was in his because he – because he was the he was the ultimate rap like MC yes like, he that was him he didn't identify as anything else other than as an MC that was what he was yep that was what he was put on earth to do yeah but also he was the biggest fan as well so to see him step off stage to watch what was going on on stage during his own set was like it was almost like the circle of life type thing of like that was what he was. The yeah. MC and the fan, the biggest fan. Yeah. And yeah, so was that was really special, man, because it's like I look back on that and I'm like, I've got goosebumps and stuff. Oh, dude, I, man, like, I was getting, yeah, yeah, fucking dude, like the hairs on the back of my neck was standing up when you are saying some of that shit before. I'm just like, wow, man, like just listen to you say it, dude. Like, yeah, because, you know, like we've, we've spoken about Hunter on here, but we haven't had someone like, well, you know, I mean, I've had Ken Oath on here talk about, like, obviously Oath um, had quite a close friendship with Hunter, you know, throughout the years and whatever, and uh, I met I met I, I had the pleasure of meeting Hunter on several occasions. He actually came over my house back in the early two thousands in 0304 when I was living with Ken Oath, and he came over with Matty B. Yeah. Matty B brought him over with him, and um, yeah, yeah. 
Like, yeah, man, the, the dude, like, seriously, yeah. what you were saying, like, the biggest fan, like, we were, we were, like, man, at that, in that period where the biggest non-fiction fucking cage, high and mighty Eastern Conference gangster, like, you know, that grimy New York underground shit, like, fans of all that kind of shit, you know, all the indie 12s were coming out and whatever, and Hunter came over with a bag of records, and we're all bumping this shit, we drag a couch out into the street, and we're sitting out there fucking drinking, whatever, <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, oh, well, what do you got in your bag, man, and we went to his bag, dude, he's got Boney and Stony. he's got fucking... And set everything Aussie Stop man, everything. and one one fucking US album man, Eric B and Rakim's first record. That was it. And it was just like, yeah, yeah. man, this cunt's an ambassador, dude. This you know, like he's fuck, he's sorely yeah, missed, man. He was a great dude. Like you know, even just in the few few interactions I had with him, man. And he would have taken over the, the stereo. Too. Oh fuck! Like, that's all you would have heard after he, that, bro. He was all over it, man. <laughs> he was going to and from the turntable constantly, yeah. just fucking putting records on. <laughs> For real. Yeah, he, he, he used to call himself the stereo Nazi because yeah. he'd just take it over and own it. <laughs> you couldn't play anything else. It was like what Hunter wanted to play, and it was all all that, that sort of yeah, all Aussie shit. Yeah, you know, he loved his fucking you know Easy E and NWAs and all that uh, that old shit, but he sort of moving to a time of like just that's what his passion was was australian hip-hop yeah and you know yeah that's all he wanted to play people because he was like if you haven't heard it you need to hear it you know yeah Yeah. he was like that sort of the ambassador of like okay you know i've got it all here everybody needs to hear it Mm. they don't need to hear this other stuff they can hear that any other time i'm gonna play this and you know that was his attitude as well was like he was so passionate about it that it was like yeah, everywhere he went, he was like converting people almost. Yeah, you know, sort of like yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, he was like, I know enough about it. I'm going to play it all to you, and then you'll understand. Yeah, you, sort of thing. Yeah, you've got to hear this. Shit. I was like, it's, yeah, no, and because and everybody's shit. Like he, Sorry, yeah. everybody's shit. He had everybody's stuff. You know, yeah, yeah, dude, yeah, 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 absolutely. So he was very, very. Because he even like oh, that's oh, what people like. That's it. That's it. I apologise to him. Like fucking once again, apologies to anyone listening. There is a slight couple of second time delay between Brisbane and Perth, but um, yeah, yeah fucking um, I was thinking like listening to it. It got me thinking, and like it got me thinking about that that moment where he came over our place, and um, like I kind of wondered what he'd think about where things are today. You know, like you know, being the being you know having the passion and being so immersed in the culture and being so about it like i kind of wonder because he even has that lyric on on fear and loathing where he's like if it doesn't have a break if it doesn't have a this it's not australian hip-hop or it's not you know like and i was kind of like well i wonder what he'd think about where you know where things have progressed to now you know whereas you know obviously we can still listen to that music we love but what is now but you know like i mean fucking australian australian hip-hop you know is largely fucking now popular culture in many regards it's kind of dominating fucking the triple j's and all that kind of thing and i you know i wondered whether you know he'd be fucking i imagine he'd be happy but you know like like just the way in which it's moved you know like yeah yeah i think he'd be in two minds sort of like Mm. there's the part of him that is like so passionate about hip-hop it's like whatever people are doing and pushing forward he'd be happy with it and he'd be excited about it but also he, he was like a sort of purist to a degree of yeah. like this is the stuff that I like and this is how how it is. But he was never his, – his taste in music though was so broad that it wasn't locked down into like it has to be like this and only this way. It's yeah. like he 
he did what he did, and that's what he wanted to do, and that's what he liked to do. But he listened to like you know everything, and I don't think he'd be like, oh, this is shit. This is not real hip hop because yeah. I mean it's all come from, coming from the same place. Yes, yeah. and it's just moving on and morphing. Mm. And he'd find stuff in the in particularly the newer stuff, which is you know quite a lot different to the or, or you know break beady sort of stuff. Yeah, he'd still find stuff in there that he liked. Yeah. Well, it was like tickled his fancy or was like, oh, this dude's dope, you know? Yeah. Just the lyricism of some people that's like elevated to a different level, um, he'd be like, oh, man, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he'd be happy. Yeah. You know, so. he'd probably still be making <laughs> stuff over break beats and shit. 100%, you know, man. Dusty samples. Yeah, fucking A, dude. Fucking yeah. A. You know, dude, yeah, man, thank you. Like, I can hear, you know, I can hear in you. I, I appreciate you speaking, you know, so openly about it, you know. Like, I, I don't know whether you've ever gotten the opportunity to speak on the making of Fear and Loathing or anything like that. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But, man, I appreciate it, dude. Like, I think, you know, like, it, that album holds a special place for a lot of people, as does a lot of, you know, would as as does probably the majority of his back catalogue, you know. So, yeah, man, like it's great to hear those fucking stories and I appreciate it, man. Like we appreciate you speaking on it, dude, for real. Yeah. yeah. I could probably go on for another rest of the day talking about him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I mean, rest in peace to the dude, man. But, yeah, like, dude, we'll keep it moving because fucking, I mean, you know, coming off the back of that, how do you go into the next clandestine record, which was we- which was weapons grade? Because you know the the you know by you know twenty thirteen, obviously Hunter's now gone. Like, is there a different approach to the music? Because by this, by you know by weapons grade, you're um you know you're bringing in a lot of oh not a lot, but you know there's outside production. You got taunts, you got suffer, you got trials, you've got you know a handful of others. There's a lot more guests also, like than prior. Um, you know, it's far more guest heavy than prior. <laughs> So me and Tom were like, oh, we'll just work on some stuff together. And we spent quite a while sort of working on that. And then Graphic was like, he started working on the solo with uh, Rob Shaker. Mm. And then he's like, oh, fucking send me the the beats for those those tracks and that that you're working on and I'll fucking, I'll do something. Mm. So then he did that and we sort of, he came back in and did, me and Tomo had done a lot of our recordings together um, when we were living together, and then he came around my joint and Graphic did a whole big couple of recording sessions to catch up, and then that joint came out. Um, and then that was sort of like the end. That I, I knew that was going to be the last Clan album yeah. for the for the for future. Yeah. I knew that. Um and sort of, so we sort of put it out and just, we, uh, we have never done a show for it, never did a launch, never did anything because it was just, um, we had a couple of opportunities come up because Graphic had moved away down south. It was just like, it was too hard for him to get up and it was just like, oh, you know, we'll just yeah. pass on it. Um, and so um, it was actually uh, Rob Shaker who came to me sort of with the idea of doing a box set because he'd done some – he'd been doing vinyl for a, um, for a bunch of people, you know, sort of started to, to help organise it really, I mean. Yeah. Um, so he had connections and then he was like, have you thought of doing a box set? Like because, I mean, you couldn't get anything of ours 
anything of our back catalogue on vinyl other than Dynasty, which you couldn't get anyway because nobody wants to sell it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, it's so rare. Yeah, collector's item. Um, and, yeah. And uh, so he came to me with the idea because I've been working with him quite a lot. I've got a solo album with him um, that's in the bag pretty much um, with all Rob Shaker production. But uh, he's – you're like, yeah, look, I think we could really make this work. We could do it, you know. People would love it. We'll just put it out, um, you know, see what – put out feelers and see what people think. As soon as we started saying it, like he started putting out a few things, people were just like, yep, 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 come on. When is it now? We want it now, you know, sort of thing. And like, oh, fuck, well, we better do it. So we did it. I think we only did 100. Um, and, yeah, sold sold out of them straight away. Yeah. Um. And I think, yeah, it's a nice. It was. It, it's a yeah, dope. It's a dope kind of commemoration of you know the career. Yeah, I think it was a good bookend to the to the finish, I guess, of of the group. You know, who knows? Maybe something will happen in the future. Who knows? It's yeah. very unlikely yeah. at this point, but you never know. Won't yeah. say no, but yeah, never say it, never. it seems like a good way to sort of, you know, unofficially say. Here you go. That's it. That's everything yeah. right there in this box. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hundred percent. And um, yeah, hundred percent. So where where have things gone? Yeah, sort no. of in in recent times, dude. Like you know, post clandestine. You know, obviously you kind of focus. You well, obviously the Grand Lodge stuff. You know, which we touched on earlier. But you know, like just briefly, man, the Grand Lodge stuff. Like. You know, was that just, you know, a collaboration of ideas between you and Checkers and then going to Daz and, you know, getting the production or how did that kind of, you know, I know we touched on it briefly, but, you know, if you could yeah, elaborate a little I, more. About, uh, it was about 2011, I think. I, I'd been talking to Checkers and we were just on the phone for hours talking about different things about which a lot of the content that, Grand Lodge 3 gets involved with because um, we'd just be talking about theories and ideas and how have you seen this, have you seen that, okay, what do you think about this, what do you think about that, yada, yada. Mm. And we'd just be on the phone for hours and hours. And it's at the end of one phone call, I was just like, fuck, man, do you want to make an album together? And he was like, oh, fuck yeah. And yeah. I was like, cool. And I was like, well, we're both producers, so it's going to be awkward to like try and pick beats. I was like, we should get Daz to do it. Yeah. Which you get Daz to do all the, and we don't have to pick and fight over sort of like who's the producer of this yeah. or that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like this bit, I don't like that bit. So we remove it from our hands as producers and just were like, we'll just concentrate on the MC and get Daz to do the beats. Yeah. So I just went around, I asked Daz and he was like, yes, of course. I just used to go around his like once a week for a while and just, um, trying to find some samples that I thought he could use and just watch him do his magic because it's like whatever you give him doesn't ever sound like what you think it's going to sound like <laughs> in your head. Yeah. Like he's just – he just takes it to somewhere else that you're like, oh, fuck this guy. Like yeah. Yeah. just sitting there watching him like a fucking wizard. Yeah. And it's just so easy. Just I'm going to do this and that. And just like sitting there watching like what the fuck are you doing? And then like – doing the same thing for fucking 10 minutes, tapping away at something, and then next minute, like, oh, fuck, there's a whole fucking shit happening that you didn't even, you know, consider in your brain. Mm. That's how it could turn out. Yeah. And so I just go around and collect a whole bunch of beats, and I think the first 
the first Robert Hunter Cup, I stayed in Melbourne for an extra couple of days because um, I had already had a couple of beats that Daz had made um, and we recorded a couple of tracks and we're like, yeah, it's fucking cool. This sounds like it's going to be good. Went back, came to Perth, you know, put put Daz to the fucking, um, put his face to the coal face, made him work, do the rest of the beats. And then, <coughs> pardon me, um, then I went back to Melbourne for like a week, I think. And we just recorded, we, we wrote and recorded the rest of it in that week. Um, and then I came home and then Checkers probably couple of months later came over and we spent a couple of days here with Daz just sequencing and sort of post-production stuff sample different some vocal samples and some cuts and that and then it was done so it was actually really quite quite a compact amount of time yeah it was actually worked on yeah yeah a relatively easy process sort of yeah yeah because checkers and I just oh man we just We'd get, would have, would have the beat. Would just be like, okay, what's this? What, what does this? What does this speak to you? Mm. What sort of idea does that bring to your head? You know, if we had a concept that we'd wanted to explore, like if a beat came up that was like, oh yeah, that's going to be for that. That's going to be for that. You know, or you know, we just and we just started writing and we just sit there, write, 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 write. Okay, cool. You know, fucking two o'clock in the morning. Okay, let's record it. Fucking so we're up to like six in the morning. Yeah, yeah. recording. Fucking they're the best nights, man. That's when the go magic to bed happens. for a couple of hours. Yeah, 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 and then rinse and repeat. Yeah, and so yeah, we got that done quite quickly. And then the next, the, the new one that's come that is due to come out. Same thing. Um, it was actually fuck. What have we done? Me and oh, me and Daz were in Melbourne for something i can't remember what but basically daz spent three days making all the beats on it mm. there in melbourne and checkers and i started to write at the time and then i was there for two weeks and we wrote and recorded the whole thing in that time fuck um, fuck that's dope yeah like sometimes it was two tracks a day sometimes just one Sometimes tidying up something else or that, mm. but it was pretty much just grinding. We'd just sit in the studio. We'd only leave to go fucking get food or something mm. or that. Um, or he'd go to kung fu training <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back, leave me alone. I'm back, and I'd, I'd written a verse or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just we just in that zone. Like we got a really very similar mindset. So mm. sitting down and just writing. We just both smash it out and be happy, like with what we've done. Never really go back over it. Of like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's very similar. Of you know, and, and just vibing off each other, and uh, yeah, same train of thought. Is just a, like write it, smash it. Is there a, is there a lot of time spent fucking um, you know uh, researching you know YouTube videos and fucking all that kind of shit because you know I mean Grand Lodge Three is content heavy you know like it's there's a lot of content yeah. in there it's not battle rap man like there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that you can listen to <laughs> and think you know like a lot of stuff to make you think you know 
Or to question, oh, yeah, to ask questions. People are like, what the fuck are they talking about? And like, <laughs> or like, what the hell is that? What oh, I love that shit, dude. Like, you know, is the ash Yeah, we're, we're people that love that shit, yeah. man. Like, like I, I'm fucking I, – I don't subscribe yeah. to cons- conspiracy theories, man. Like, I, I think conspiracy the- – I think, the you know, uh, the term conspiracy theory is um, – What's the word? It kind of, you know, it's it's it, dismissed. Yeah, it's it, it it's almost pejorative. It's it, it denigrates fucking, um, you know, like people attach it to an alternate an an alternate way to view the world in a way. Like you know, I've I view the world through a different reality, man, through a different perspective. And you know, people will go, "Oh, you're a fucking conspiracy theorist." I'm like, "No, I'm not. I'm searching. For, I'm 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 on a search for the truth, man. Like I'm I'm on a quest to find the 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 truth behind the lies I'm fed." And that's what you're giving us, man, in Grand Lodge Three. Yeah, pretty pretty much pretty much. It's yeah. like, I mean, I, I've always been interested in that that um, alternate sort of. I guess viewpoint of the world, yeah. and that what it what what reality is is probably not really what we're shown, exactly. and everybody's reality is different. And every there's yeah, just so much going on. How can we ever really know the truth? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always been into that. I've always read about it, and so going into that was just like all this knowledge and stuff that I'd had. I mean, I dropped a lot of that stuff. Like, you know, throughout all the clandestine stuff, there was always like that flavoring of it. But this was like going into it with the idea of like, this is what it's going to be about. This is going to be just that that sort of alternate esoteric knowledge shit, just like just dropped on your head, and hopefully you can handle it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or hope makes you think or makes you want to Google what that what that thing is what does that mean who the fuck is that exactly. who are they talking about what is you know yeah that shit exactly um because the on the new joint i drop a line about epstein and this is before he died and it's like before he was suicided was like really, really, <laughs> you know before he was you know a body double was put in his place yeah. <laughs> and he was uh Rendition to a sort of island somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before that, so it's like there's a lot of stuff that you just like you get to know. It's in your head, so you start to try and put it on paper. So there would be most of the like YouTubing stuff was just like if Checkers said something, and I was like, "What the fuck is is that about this or that and that?" So you'd be like, "Oh, I fucking start talking about it." And next minute, you're watching a video on you're something. Watching videos. And, yeah, oh yeah, real. cool. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> or like. Or just like trying to find some something, some samples or shit, like that you're like, oh, we want to use, like you had an idea for an intro for a song or something, and you're like, oh, well, fucking, we need to find something that matches that. And then mm. he's like, ah, oh, you know, I fucking, I like this guy, Fritz Springmeier, fucking. So we'd watch a couple of videos of his, and then we're like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's what he's saying there. That's the fucking intro right there. Yeah. That sort of shit. Yeah. But m- most of it is like, just it's it's in my head anyway. Yeah. I mean, Checkers is even better at it than me. Oh, Checkers, yeah. way better grasp and, yeah. and, and um, like the recall way, of stuff. Like the, I, I, yeah. I remember I remember stuff, but sometimes I will forget what the 
the names and the dates or stuff or like who or what or that like if it's not fresh in my mind i'll start to forget it a bit but but checkers is like he'll just start talking about things like yeah like he know he knows them off the top of his head oh dude i'm and i'm like, like, like yeah i know what he's talking yeah bro i'm i'm almost envious but, of yeah. how encyclopedic his kind of recall of all that and the way he can articulate it. Like we've had him on the podcast, like when it was a fucking like three and a half hour episode and there was probably an hour either side of that where we were fucking just sitting here. So we probably had him here for four, four or five hours, you know? And um, like, yeah, yeah. dude, like I, I, I love the shit too, man. Like I fucking, I subscribe to most of what you guys are, you know, sort of speaking on and I, I, I agree, you know, but like his, his recall and the way he can just speak on it, man, like it's, it's just there. It's like, boom, 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 you know, it's, it's like, wow, fuck hunt. Like you are fucking all over this shit, you know, like you bring up some left field yeah, shit, it, like, you know, like, yeah, it's crazy. So it's like I know I know most of the stuff he's that he, like that he's talking about. I just don't recall some of it as well as he does. Yeah. So he'll be start talking about it. Oh yeah, fucking about this and that and that. So I came into it and I'd written down a list of things as well of, of like stuff that I'd probably want to talk about mm. just as a reference to jog my memory. But checkers to just sit down and just write write it without any reference and most of my shit was the same but I'd, I'd have those little things that I was like oh, I want to talk about something to do with that so I'll put that on a sheet of paper so that like if I was running out of something on idea or something I was like where can I take this I sort of flip over and look at that and go oh yeah that'd connect that's cool yeah but yeah so uh, yeah but he's pretty uh pretty on the ball with all that stuff as well yeah he, he's he's definitely he's into always it, mate. Sending me articles. He's always sending me articles from the newspaper or SAR stuff. Yeah, He'll just send me a picture of it, nothing else. Picture, <laughs> and I look at it and go, oh, yeah. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Exactly. That's what he doesn't need to say anything. It's just he knows what he knows. I'll get what he's thinking, and I, he yeah. knows, yeah, I don't need to respond. And what about that? Um, like, oh, Okay. Yeah, exactly, dude. And what? And with um, and with part two, uh, are you going to get Dash to do the cover again? Because the fucking cover art, like, if anyone, I'm pretty sure you can still hunt down copies of it. Grab it on wax, man. Because the cover art, not unlike Celsius's album, um, Desert, uh, fucking sorry, the Downside Joint, like Dash, just man, a Perth OG, like a Perth writer. Fuck, man, the dude is incredible, man. Yeah. Like, you know, are you are you getting Dash to do the artwork again? Because that artwork is spectacular, man. It's it's incredible, yeah. and that that came about by um, by chance as well, actually. True. Um, that Checkers knew Dash, but didn't know he he knew him, and then he didn't know it was Dash for a while. Mm. Then they figured out he figured out it was Dash, and Dash figured out that this was Checkmate that they was um, training with, um, and oh, then I think. Um, Dash was Dash was around at his place one day. Checkers just played him the stuff, and he was like, "Man, this is everything I fucking think about as well." And yeah. like, um, he was like, "Can I do the artwork?" So he did the original artwork. Yeah. And he'd taken the he'd taken the mixes that that Checkers had, and just sat down and played them, and just drew drew, drew like, to it. pages and pages and pages of characters and Fuck. things. And we we're like, he's like, "Is this what the idea?" And we we're just like. Man, that's more. That's fucking incredible. That's everything. Um, and so then he was like, "I'll lock it in. I'll do." And he did the f 
for front cover and that and sent it through and we're just like, fuck, this is incredible. Dude, I've got the poster. He like, did, he even did the po- I don't mean to interrupt, but you did oh, the yeah. poster as well beyond the actual, like, you know, so there's the poster of the Grand Lodge 3 art. Like, I think I've got two copies of it at home. You have signed one of them and then the other one's unsigned. But, yeah. Oh, actually, I think I gave the unsigned one to someone because it's just, it's fucking amazing. I want to frame it. I've just never gotten around to doing it. It's just fucking spectacular, man. Yeah. Same here. I've, I've got it sitting somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, but it, there's so much detail and, like, little things that I'll, I'll be looking at and I'll be like, oh, yeah, fucking there's, there's a little monkeys and shit riding, like, 12 monkeys riding a roller coaster Fuck. and shit just, just tucked in there and yeah. things like that. that you're like, oh, yeah. He's, he, you can tell he's listened to the album and drew, and, and referenced it in places. Yeah. But the new the new album, he, he does want to do it. Um. I don't know if there's just like he's he's busy, and there's been a delay in us actually finishing and getting the getting the concept, I guess. So uh, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Because I think we want to sort of get this done as soon as possible and get it out. Certainly. Um, before everything, before everything that we that we talk about on the album actually becomes known and yeah. popular. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That people too. know talking about Epstein, like yeah. Epstein's like old now and I'm like, I oh, fuck yeah. I was you know yeah it was new when I fucking well not new. Like <laughs> nobody was talking about Epstein when I dropped it. Yeah. Now yeah. it's like <laughs> a couple of years later it'll be people will be like, that's such old news. <laughs> oh these guys are just hacked. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it too. <laughs> Nah, dude, it's it's an amazing Sorry. record, and I can't wait for fucking part two, man. I can't see, I can't wait to you know hear what you bring with it, man. It's gonna be fucking dope. Like I'm looking forward to it because I saw the little, I think fucking maybe last year sometime Checkers was posting some shit to his Instagram account or something like you guys in the lab, and I was like, oh, this must be coming. And then we had Checkers, like I, I was saying before, we had Checkers on the podcast, and when you said that about Dash just then, like him training and stuff, that just sort of jogged my memory because I do recall him saying something about that. Yeah, he met Dash on on that personal level and was like, oh, okay, fucking boom, boom, boom. You know, yeah, I do I do recall that, man. But, yeah, fuck, we're l- looking forward to yeah, it, man. Yeah, neither of them knew who they were yeah, like, yeah, training right. with. Yeah, bugged out. Fucking it was just Chris and eight. That's it. But, dude, how long, yeah, so. fuck, how long have we had mortar on the blower for now, man? 40. Two hours and 40 minutes, dude. We'll... Let's fucking, bro, listen, man, we've taken up fucking far too much for your day already, bro. I know you've got a family, you've got shit you've got to do, man. Listen, fucking, I can't thank you enough for your time, man, for all your contributions, brother. Um, Man, actually, fucking, you know what? Trevor had a good question here, dude. A few years ago, you had a beef with this cunt fucking Wolverine. Whatever <laughs> happened there, dude? What was that shit uh, about? <laughs> uh, do, you, do you even want to rehash oh, it or do you want to just this leave is- it there, man? Should we just leave it there? <laughs> Uh, no, 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 I'll, I'll speak on it. You want to clear the air? It's a bit weird. Um, oh, no, it's just, I know Scott Kent, a.k.a. Wolverine, from, like, way back in the day, and he yep. used to, he came from the same areas as, as Graphic and Tomo, so he sort of, we'd, we'd hang out and that, and he wasn't a bad dude or anything, um, and he was always a solid our MC, like he, we'd had him on a few shows as opening up because he was, he'd put on a, a good enough show. Like he was a, you know, a, that sort of similar style, rough, rugged, yeah, certainly, sort of raw, um, and, but, yeah, just 
over sort of time, I don't really know what happened. Uh, he sort of started to remove himself from a lot of society, I guess. Yeah. And um, he went through a stage of really trying to promote himself in a very weird way of like spamming everyone and just so heavy on the self-promotion and and really aggressively saying that he was better than everybody. Mm. And I'd had a couple of run-ins with him because of it, like personally. Yeah. when uh, when Hunter was was in yeah sort of in the depths of the cancer problems yeah, yeah. and Scotty and I was moving into a new home with the, with my baby daughter and Scotty was blowing up my phone with messages about his new album coming out and that and I I'd just I'd had enough of it and told him don't don't do this to my phone. A private phone, you know, I'm not, it's not a hip hop phone. I fucking get on the net if I want to know anything about hip hop yeah. and sort of had a bit of a shouting match with him and called him out on it. And then he sort of went quiet for a while and then he sort of started to do the same thing again. And I just got back on him and was like, nah, dude, don't do this. Fucking, you want to promote yourself, do it on your own fucking shit, not on my fucking, because he was just sending out group like texts and stuff. Weird. Um, and didn't think much of it. And then he he's kind of went weird and the scene kind of started to really distance himself from him because of his, you know, strange behaviour, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And then not not long, not too long ago, he, I'd, I'd had this back and forth with him and told him, you know, that I didn't really, didn't like what he was doing and that it, I didn't want to be involved in it and all that sort of shit. Um, and he, he always kept dropping the clandestine name because we had been involved. And, you know, we've been friends back in the day, you know. Yep. Um, and basically he'd done something online where he'd, he'd, he'd done a video thing and it was like then, you know, sort of like that pass it on type thing. Yes, yeah. You know, of like name, name a couple of other people and get them to do it. And it's like he – he did me bitter and um, uh, grievous. Oh yeah. Who he'd already had, uh, he'd already had run-ins with um, grievous, where grievous had actually been on the phone with him, telling him, "Where are you right now? I'm going to come around and smash you." Yeah. And uh, and and Wolverine wouldn't tell grievous where he was because he you know, knew very well that he'd yeah. probably yeah would he'd smash get flogged. him. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And, Gary would end up back back inside, you know, yeah, for yeah, doing yeah. it for the pleasure. Yeah. But um, and and he'd had runs with Bitter and that um when Bitter was a bit younger, um coming up in the scene and I don't think he was in Syllabolics at the time. Yeah. And Wolverine sort of he tried to shit on everyone at that sort of stage, anyone that wasn't you know sort of at the same time as him coming up in the game, he was like they're not as good, mm. you know, and. There's a whole, there's a million other stuff going on as well of yeah, him selling beats to dudes like Cogs that he didn't own, yeah. all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he did this video, passing it on to me, Gary Bitter. We didn't do it, A, because I didn't actually see it until after he'd given us a deadline or something. Yeah. And then he called us, called us out on not calling us shit cunts and all this stuff. 
And I was like, oh, that's it. That's enough. Nobody nobody says that about me as an MC online. Yeah, I caught up Bitter and Gary and I said, fucking, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to I'm gonna dead this right now. And I fucking did a, did a, did a diss song to him <laughs> that was lighthearted yeah. uh, over the stand thing. Yeah, yeah. Sort of just talking about him and his position and saying, look, dude, don't take it so seriously. You know, this is – you've got all these problems. You've got other things to worry about. You know, don't worry about me. I'm doing me sort of thing, you know. I sort of went in with the boot a bit on some things um, and, oh, yeah, kicked it, it off, kicked the hornet's yeah. nest for him. Yeah, you handled and people, it. And people seem to enjoy it. Mm. And then he sort of didn't take it very kindly to say that, which <laughs> I knew he wouldn't. Um, and then he... Uh, at times would say to people that we'd squashed the beef, that he was cool to me, but then he would diss me the next minute and I just let it slide for ages and ages and ages. Then he did another diss song and I was at Shakers one day and he had a box of old Wolverine CDs sitting there because he had done production for him and that and been yeah. in a group with him earlier on before they he distanced himself from him. Yeah. And we just came up with this idea to do a, a, a kooky video sort of thing <laughs> as a diss back. That not happened. It was just a, a piss take. Uh, I had the idea and we did it, recorded it, filmed it in one day and put it out. And, um, yeah, made him very unhappy again. <laughs> and I've just left it at that. <laughs> uh, I, I, don't, I don't really harbour any ill will to him. Nah. I know he's he's got some problems, um, and I think he probably gets treated a bit harsh. Most of it he's brought on himself from his own actions and the way he's interacted with people yeah. and what he's done to people who he he thinks are lower down than him on the food chain. But yeah. now a lot of them have overtaken him, yeah. and they remember. And yeah, I I kind of. He's, he's just a dude that's like I, I cringe at his stuff yeah because of the way he's what he's done and marketing himself and the way that he's so desperate yeah. for fame in in a, in his genre that up until recently hasn't really given many people fame no, to that's say exactly it, dude. that's you know, exactly it. and that he's taken that so wholeheartedly to heart of not getting what he wants out of it which you know I don't know. He's, it, it's kind of cringy and just a little, um, you know. It's a little, yeah. He's a little pitiful, <laughs> and so you kind of get, yeah. You know, like I don't, I don't want to bad. I have, but you know, yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. yeah no, I don't want to, but yeah, <laughs> be, you know. But um, he, he just, yeah. It's just a weird situation that, mm. that that that. Everywhere I go and everywhere I went for a long time, even oh, even now, like you're still you're still talking about it, saying yeah. people want to know, want to know yeah. the story because yeah. it was like such a it sort of for a lot of people it just came out of the blue of me me being involved with him. A lot, I mean, a lot of other people in the scene had already come to this conclusion that he was quite an, a, a strange character yeah. and that that had run-ins with him and he, you know. Talk shit about people, you know, mm. online and stuff. Say people were shit, 
you know, all this stuff. So, yeah, just to see, I, I actually put something out that of a lot of people had had that opinion already. Yeah, well, it resonated. It sort of struck a, struck a chord. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't oh, yeah. I, and like then people. I, 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 sorry? Yeah I, had, yeah, I had people from all over the country, like, just like, they knew who he was mm. from his, um, not from being a good rapper, but from being a very bad self-promoter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is strange. It's like they say, all, all, so all good, all good publicity, even bad publicity is good. Publicity. Is good publicity, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't. That's true because he's people don't know him as a as a rapper. They know him as a as a dude who wants to be a rapper. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, sort of is trying to push himself above his above his sort of. His pay grade, yeah, I guess. yeah, yeah. yeah you know? no. I feel you, dude. I feel you. Like, and yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know him on any personal level. Like, yeah, I just, I heard similar things. That's all. And I, he reached out to, um, I think he reached out to us at points like seven fifty to do maybe some promo for him, like do shout outs or something like that. I remember there was a period, and I don't, but I don't, I don't know that we ever did it. Like, I don't, I never had any sort of personal thing. And yeah, I just wanted to touch on it because even yeah, Trav mentioned it to me, texted me the video during the week, and I was like, fuck, I forgot about that shit man i hadn't even thought of it and i just thought ah yeah man uh, yeah. We'll, we'll mention it in passing you know we might just fucking touch on it and just see you know like see what it is i we certainly don't want to any open up any old wounds man that's not what we're about we're about fucking you know preserving it's, and fucking it's what's that not a wound for me yeah yeah <laughs> i said it's not a wound <laughs> that one healed healed it's, many fucking moons ago <laughs> It's just funny. It's funny, like just randomly, I still get it at like at a gig. I'll just be strolling through a gig, like not even my gig, not even there, there on the bill or anything. I'll just yep. be there, walk through the crowd, and someone will just turn around and go, "Fuck Wolverine!" <laughs> just some random, nip, don't know who they are. They'll just do it, and then just that's it. Off yeah. they go. <laughs> still to this day, Disa- like, disappear back like into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> it's Scotty, ah! and there'll be like some fucking Yahoo just yelling it out, oh, and I'm like, oh yeah, well, no, that's crazy. people know, that's people, cra- it's crazy, they bro. know the truth. That's it, man. And the yeah, fucking- but that, it- sorry, sorry, yeah, um, it's a funny little episode that sort of. Yeah. Every now and again keeps recurring. Yeah, it's it, mate. You know, like, just it's all it's all part of the fucking, you know, part yeah. of the grand history of things and, you know, all that kind of thing, you know. It is what it is. <laughs> As you say, it yeah. is what it is. <laughs> but you know, it's 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 fun. It was fun to do the video on that, do a good diss track, and done one for a long time. That's it, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> you yeah, know? dude, it's sport, man. Like this shit is to sport. Go it keeps you fucking sharp, yeah. you know? Boom. Yeah. And that's kind of that's going into it. Also, that's like I, I, I was pissed off at him for for doing what he did and saying what he said. Of course, you know, sort of putting it out there, and then going, "Oh fuck you," you know. Like I I did have a little bit of a bone to pick with him, but also I, I did want to flex, you know. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So I was, he he's calling me a shit MC. So I'm gonna I'm gonna show you that I'm not. No, I can't. Yeah, man. And uh, I think I did. Yeah, dude. I don't think he. <laughs> I don't think he's got a leg to stand on in that regard, man. Like, fuck, dude. Like, yeah, it is, bro. Fucking straight up, man. And like, um, man. Once again, like, dude. What? He's delusional if he does think so. Yes, yeah, certainly, bro. Certainly, if he thinks he's in this league. 
Well, I mean, this, this, that's not that's not me tooting my own horn either. No, no, but, no. You know, no. Do, 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 do it. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, I mean, like you know, he's someone that has clearly been influenced by you. You know, so it's it's um, yeah, like you know, you can come out and say whatever you want, but when you hear that influence in him, you know, like regardless of skill level, you can just hear there's a clandestine influence in what he does. You know, like it's fucking, it's blatantly obvious, man. He was influenced by you guys. You know, so to come out and, but you know, in saying that, like it's sport, man. So you know, playing devil's advocate, he wants to fucking make a name, man. That's how he's going. Well, you know, he that's how he views the path to doing that, you know, maybe, I don't, oh, fuck, I, I can't, I, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to put my fucking self in his shoes, but, yeah, that's, you know, it's how I might, you know, you might view I, it from the flip side it, of that it coin. Is, it is a sport, a sport, and so if you're going to step out and, and, and say shit about people or that, you've got to be prepared for yeah. it to come back. Yeah, be match ready, man. If you know, And if you're not, if you're not ready for that, then don't, don't get involved. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's just rat, it's just a I didn't go around there and, you know, break his legs or anything. No, nah, no. Nah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know? That's it. Or, or do it better. Do something better than I did, you know? That's that's where you'd get, like, respect. That's exactly it. So you earn your respect is, like, if you listen to something and saying they're whack and shit and all that, and then they diss you back and then you just have a whinge and don't really come through, mm, mm. like, with a terrible, terrible diss track of your and People look and go, oh, well, we know who's fucking clearly yeah. the better MC. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we know who's got the back catalogue. We know who's got the fucking, you know, who's got the fucking worked yeah. that you can stand by. But listen, dude, man, we've had you for fucking three hours, bro. Let's fucking, you know, man, I can't thank you enough for your time. I can't thank you for enough for all you've done, all you've contributed. Um, once again, you're our first guest from Perth, so it's an honour for us to fucking have you on here, man. Like, I'm hoping to hear a lot more from more Perth dudes you know, over the course of 2020 and shit and, and you know, throughout the future, of course. But, um, man, Morda, thank you so much, brother. Like, your time is, you know, man, I can't thank you enough for your time because time is, you know, time is infinite, but time is something, you know, we can never get back. And, you know, for you giving us so much of yours and, man, it's fucking, it's been an honour, dude. Nah, it's, it's been great. Thank you very much for considering me oh, uh, for the uh, Your Esteemed podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel feel that buoyed by the attention. Yeah, no, I think, dude. I think I might go and make a rap, make a rap tune now. Oh, I fucking hope oh, no, so. I can't put it out too. to be able to talk. <laughs> yeah. feel like I should get back into it. Yeah, um, I fucking... No, it's, it's a, yeah, it's an honour to be, to be, you know, to have people interested in what you're doing. Ah, oh, man, fuck, we've been, we've been interested, bro. We've been interested. Well, just fucking hang in yeah. there, man. We'll wrap up this show and I'll just, I'll fucking talk to you briefly off the mic. But, man, have you got anything you like? Man, did you want to, did you want to big anything up? Did you want to just, you know, like um, you said you've got something coming with Shaker, Grand Lodge 3, or, you know, the second instalment of Grand Lodge? Uh, yeah, second instalment of Grand Lodge 3 is coming. Uh, I've got a... Uh, album with Shaker called uh, Grant, uh, sorry, fucking uh, Napalm Psalms. Shit. Which will be out very. And uh, 
You know how to name yeah. fucking songs, dude. Yeah. I tell you what, cunt. You you have the most melodramatic fucking. No, I wouldn't. No, melodramatic isn't the word. What's the fucking? What's the fucking term? Like song titles, cunt. Like sacred geometry, fucking chasms of the citadel. Like man, you motherfuckers, you've got names, dude. You, you can fucking name an album, name a song. Like fuck you, creative descriptions, man. Like you fucking do it well, bro. <laughs> you got a you got a firm grasp on you got a firm grasp on adjectives. Let's put it like that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, I always think like you look at names of songs and if you want to know what the song is about before you even hear it, if you look at the name, like you want to know what the fuck that means, what that what that is. Yeah. Because a lot of names have pretty shitty, shitty titles, you know, just like, you know, pump it up or, you know, <laughs> going in or pump something it up. like that. It's like, man, that, <laughs> going in, that tells me nothing about, yeah. about it. Like yeah. I'd rather – nobody – once, once people are listening to it, they don't really care about the name. But if you yeah. read it and then like, oh, what the fuck are they? What is that? You it's know? engaging, dude. It is. It's engaging. You're like, it's you're, like, fuck. It's, everything has to be engaging from yeah. the artwork to like the, the, the name of the album to the names of the songs yeah. to the content, you know. Yeah. That's that's what I'm about. That's what I'm about. Uh, dude. And, and please. I don't want anything to be. Yeah. And, dude, honestly, please continue being about it, bro. Like, once again, thank you for fucking everything. Thank you for your time. And, man, stay on the lookout for fucking, um, you know, the forthcoming projects, man. Like, fucking be on the lookout for that shit. Thank you very much. Yeah, man, fucking thank you, dude. It's been a pleasure. This is Beers, Beats and the Beers, and fucking, man, that's a wrap. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) 